Welcome to Bad Puns and Machine Guns, the podcast where we watch and discuss every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time, and maybe the occasional surprise as well. I'm Kevin Keane. And I'm Mike Olson, and today we'll be discussing Conan the Barbarian, released by Universal Pictures on May 14th, 1982, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, James Earl Jones, Sandel Bergman, Ben Davidson, Cassandra Gaviola, Jerry Lopez, Mako, Valerie Quinison, William Smith, and Max von Sydnow in the role of King Osric. Written by John Milius and Oliver Stone, based on the character created by Robert E. Howard, directed by John Milius. It's interesting because you've already kind of touched on one of the things I wanted to discuss with you. Conan or Conan? You seem uh, to have come down on one side already. Uh, I think it's just because I was trying to get through the credits. It, it probably should be Conan. Okay, because I tend to say Conan, I think. But I, you oh, said you went Conan. I, I mean, when we were kids, it was always Conan. Yeah, and so it's funny what... what there's two two things that Conan remind me of. And, We're going uh, with Conan? Yeah, it should be Conan. <laughs> but okay. I re- distinctly remember there was uh, an episode of The Late Show uh, with Conan O'Brien yeah. where, he, where he had uh, Regis Philbin as a guest. Don't know why. And he, he was doing his – he's like, hey, hey, Conan. Hey, Conan. He's like, no, no, no. It's Conan. Right. So it, it is Conan. Uh, it was just me struggling to, to get – looking at this list – of about you know eight people that are in the credits, I uh, I, I let it slip. So I, I will make sure that it's Conan the rest of the way. Okay, I mean I don't really care. I just I wasn't sure. I think since Conan O'Brien became a famous, at least in the U.S., I don't know how famous he is outside of the U.S. But yeah, um, yeah I think now we know that the actual pronunciation is Conan. But yeah. all back then, even some of the characters in this movie say Conan. Yeah, uh, it doesn't seem it's really consistent. I think actually now that I think about it. Uh, Conan O'Brien had told a story once about how he, he ran into Arnold Schwarzenegger like at a deli or something. Really? And just, just randomly, and he's just like, oh, you should come on the show, and we'll talk about how your movie ruined my life because <laughs> all the bullies beat me up, and hey, Conan, where's your sword? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'll come on your show and talk about how I ruined your life. <laughs> so That's yeah. a great story. I, I do not recall seeing that, Conan. Yeah, that was pretty funny. But uh, anyway, so Conan the Barbarians. This is uh, definitely a, an Arnold classic that Perhaps you and I have ignored up to now. Uh, I don't want to speak for you, but yeah, no, it's not one that I've visited many times. I I can only recall seeing it once, other than watching it for this. Yeah, well, I think it's telling that our podcast is called Bad Puns and Machine Guns. Like that, that right. tells you what kind of Arnold movies we gravitate to. Yeah, there's no machine guns in this movie. Uh, no, there are not. And there's no killing machines. There's there's only steel. No. in this one. Yes, there's there's plenty of steel and snakes. <laughs> steel and snakes the alternate title yes. Conan the Barbarian colon steel and snakes yes. no but I, I'll tell you you know this is always a movie that I really liked from afar it was the kind of thing where I would I never owned it on any kind of medium like I never we didn't have it on VHS when I was a kid I uh, never had the DVD or anything but it was the a kind of movie where if it was on TV I would watch it oh okay. go like this is really good but then I'd forget about it like it was just never on my radar yeah I, I it's on my radar now I really really loved it yeah, I, this is, you know, I I haven't seen it, as I said, very many times, but I, I think what I definitely need to acknowledge is, I mean, this is the movie that made him a movie star, right? I mean... Yeah, I mean, this was definitely his first leading man role, and I think it showed that he could, you know, handle it. You know, I, Even though he won a Razzie for this, or at <laughs> least was nominated. I, I Maybe he was only not, he was nominated for a Razzie, he didn't win it. I don't think he's bad. No, he, I... He I almost a, never talks. Yeah, so. I think it's it's unfair. It is. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they cut out a lot of dialogue to, so that he wouldn't have to stumble through it or whatever. Uh, it's interesting because uh, uh, John Milius, the director, he wanted to 
he, he wanted Arnold to do all the voiceover and to narrate the movie. Yeah. And Universal overruled him and said, no, you're not having Arnold Schwarzenegger narrate this movie. And they had Mako do it. But, I mean, I, I think that's the right decision, but I think he could have handled it. I don't think it would have been, like, a disaster. No, well, I... I don't know. I think I, I agree with the studio uh, on that decision, particularly where, you know, I think Arnold's accent has, is significantly reduced, you know, since 1982. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, today people would have been used to it, but I think it would have been a mistake. Yeah. To have but, him narrate it. I mean, but he's a barbarian. He's supposed to be like, you know. I guess. A, a th- like vague foreigner kind of a thing. Like uh, It could be. But here's the other thing that I think that I, I, I like about that decision is that. The first time you see it, since it, the story is being narrated, not by him, you don't know if he survives. I, I think that that's a, a good choice. I mean, obviously he does, and there's a sequel, but... I, the movie's called Conan the Barbarian. I don't know if... Like, there's that part halfway, you know, two-thirds of the way through where he's dying, and it's like, he's not going to die. I, okay. Narrator or not. I, yes, but... I know what you're saying. Yeah, like, I'm, I, think, I think for all reasons, I, I think that's the better way to have handled it. I think that was the right decision. And I really love Mako's uh, narration. I yeah. think he's great. Like, his, the, his voice is really fitting for this kind of a story. And, like, that opening narration, just over black, where he's just like, let me tell you the tale of high adventure. Like, he's, he's really good. I like it. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things to like about, about this movie. Um, that's one. I, I have to say... I don't know where this falls in terms of your love of movie scores, at least to me. And I'm not, I'm not a lover of movie music the way you are. This is a great score. It's it really one of the greatest of all time, irrespective of Arnold. It's in my opinion, it's definitely the best score of any of Arnold's movies. Oh, one of the best scores, the ones that I've heard on all the movies we've done, absolutely. The, the score, yeah, and it's it's by uh, uh, Basil Polidorus is his name. Who went to film school with George Lucas and John Milius? Yeah, which I didn't know until uh, did I. yesterday. Uh, I mean, I I knew he did a lot of John Milius's movie scores, and uh, we should talk about John Milius because he's an. I find him he's a really interesting character. Uh, but yeah, Basil Pelotos. I mean, I listened to this score even before watching the movie, like I, or yeah, being a fan of the movie. I was more a fan of the score than I was of the movie. Yeah, now I think it's kind of evened out a little bit. But yeah, it's the music is so good. I mean, there's so many pieces of music that are just like they give me chills. Yeah, no, and um, I don't know if you listened to the commentary, but I, I did for this one, and and what Millie, <laughs> I did too. yeah, Millie's basically said he's like of of all of us that were in that first class at, at USC film school. He's like Basil was the one. He he was ready. Day one yeah, to yeah. do his job. Yeah, so, so I learned that from the commentary, and I also learned uh, I rewatched the documentary on John Milius, oh, which is available I, for free on Amazon Prime if you have Amazon Prime. So, okay. I do have it. I did not. I did not see that. It's a really good documentary. It's it's. Does John Goodman narrate it all? <laughs> no, he and should Walter? have. Yes, because he's the he, John Milius was the inspiration for Walter Selbchek and uh, Big Lebowski, and also apparently a character in uh, American Graffiti, which I didn't really? know. I did not know. It's been a long time since I've seen it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I enjoy American Graffiti, but it's been a long time, so I couldn't, just off the top of my head, I can't think of who it is. Yeah. Well, I'm sure John Milius in the 70s was probably pretty different than John Milius in the 90s. Probably. Probably a very different kind of a character. Um, But yeah, what were we talking about? (laughs) I lost my train of thought. Uh, The the Milius documentary in USC Film School. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I learned that from from the documentary. They don't spend a lot of time on... uh, I've I've actually got it queued up. Like, There's a part where... uh, Oliver Stone talks about meeting John Milius and, uh, you know, John Milius, the, the documentary talks a lot about how he's kind of a 
kind of a right wing character. Oh like yeah, he, which uh, is extremely rare in Hollywood. Yeah, and he he talks about how he kind of thinks he was blacklisted in the nineties, which. Actually, Dave Arnold interviewed, and he disagrees. It's just like Hollywood doesn't care about you know politics; it just cares about money. And like basically, he just said like Milius's movie stopped making money, and that's why he can't get hired. But regardless of that, it's just interesting to me that Oliver Stone and John Milius are the two oh, yeah. writers. It's a, it's a great combination. You've got like the farthest extremes, <laughs> yeah. And Oliver Stone talks about Milius in glowing terms. Like it's actually really kind of. Sweet oh. and encouraging that they're like friends, <laughs> you know, like they love each other. Man, apparently we need them to just come out and try and heal the uh, the post-election wounds <laughs> I mean, around really, here. If John Milius and Oliver Stone <laughs> can work together and get along. We all can. And they came together and wrote a really great script. I think that may have something to do with it. It's hard to say, but, uh, you know, and I don't know. This, we've already talked too much about politics, but, you know, this movie was accused of being fascist at the time. And that was one of the main criticisms locked yeah. down. I mean, like... I, Knowing Milius and, and yeah, watching it, you could easily see that, sure. But here's the thing, is that all's fair, because you, you can watch some pretty, you know, liberal writers and directors, and it has a message, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think it it really depends on which, which I'm just going to jump right to the end. Which ending did you get? Because there are a couple of different versions of this movie. Uh, I'm guessing because you watched the DVD or the Blu-ray. Yeah, it's the Blu-ray. Blu-ray, so you probably got the ending I got. The princess is there at the end? Yes. Okay. Because I know that's different from the movie that I'm familiar with. Oh, okay. And we'll, we'll get there. But I think that that ending really, you know, it's it's a good argument against accusing this movie of being fascist. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think this movie is fascist, but it was a big, it was an accusation that was... Labeled. Okay. Yeah, I guess I'll have to hear more about what the... Remind me to bring up when we get there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and John Milius uh, wrote Clear and Present Danger, so at the very least... I did see I know, that. You and I have fondness for that movie. For, so. for any reason to, to bring up Clear and Present Danger, I was excited when I looked at the, the filmography. I'm like, oh, man, it's my favorite Jack Ryan movie. Of course it's John Milius. Yeah. He, I mean, he's such a great writer. He wrote the, the Indianapolis speech in Jaws. He wrote Apocalypse Now. Yeah. We were at the first two Dirty Harry movies. Clint Eastwood's on the documentary, the Millius documentary. And what's funny is he never talks about Dirty Harry. He actually talks about Conan the Barbarian. He's like, oh, Conan the Barbarian is such a great movie. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, wow, Clint Eastwood. Um, you know, but John Millius, he, he kind of was the Shane Black of the 70s. It's funny that you I brought up see, Shane Black. Yeah, I can see that. He was like this hot shot who, you know, he came out of the film school. He was famous before Spielberg or George Lucas were because he was he wrote Dirty Harry. Right. Uh, I think, I think Apocalypse Now, Apoc- right? Yeah, I mean, well, that was the late 70s. But even the early 70s, he, he was a huge success way before any of them were. I suspect he wrote Patton. Francis Ford Coppola is credited as writing Patton, but I have a sneaking suspicion that he ghost wrote Patton. I don't know. I, I mean, that's just knowing him and knowing yeah. the kind of movie he likes to write. That seems a lot. Big speeches, characters kind of pontificating and giving, like, you know, rousing speeches. Yeah. Francis Ford Coppola isn't good at that, and John Milius is great at it, and Patton starts with, like, the most famous one of all time. So yeah. uh, that's my suspicion. I don't have any proof. I like that conspiracy. That's my conspiracy there, yeah. I like it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we can get into it. It's, uh, you know. It's it's it is a shame that just just to wrap up Milius, I think he's a really talented, you know, director as well as writer. He's a better writer than director, but you know, I've always been a fan of his. I love The Wind and the Lion, which is a movie he made in the seventies with I Sean Connery. It. It's good. It's like a pre Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, okay. And it's one of those again, a lot of criticism were labeled was labeled at it because it was like accused of being racist. Like Sean Connery plays an Arab sheik. Oh, I think man. a lot of people just based on that alone is like, all right, this is but, yeah, today it would be even a huger deal, but understood. But Sean Connery pulls it off, you know. Like it, 
it's he still sounds like a Scottish guy, but you know it works. It's it's an adventure movie. Who cares? All right, but uh, well, yeah, maybe I'll get on the list. Win in line. You feel free to take it if you want. All right, Conan the Barbarian. Yep. So it opens with the the narration, narration which I love and, from Mako. Yeah, and making making of the sword, which is pretty awesome. It's a it's a perfect opening. Yeah, and it's a perfect metaphor for yeah. Conan. We're going to see we're seeing this for, uh, sword right. being forged, and then the movie is seeing Conan being forged. forged yeah, I mean it is a. A, a great metaphor for what the movie is and what the character is. Yeah, and it made me wonder, because uh, on that commentary, Milius talks about how he had plan- planned a trilogy, and you know the first movie was about strength and about Conan becoming strong, and then the second movie is going to be about how he like utilized we- that strength. Yeah, wields it. And then the third movie is going to be about the consequences of his decisions and how he used the strength. So I, I wonder if each movie would have had some kind of like a metaphor at the beginning to show. Like, I don't know what it would have been, but that'd be interesting. I'll, I'll bet he probably had all that worked out of just the, you know the second movie would have some other opening sequence that shows him wielding the sword and you know, as the metaphor for for that. But uh, I would have loved to see those movies. It's a shame that you know Milius didn't get to finish that up. I, I agree. And in, in the commentary, both he and Arnold were talking about making, you know, getting the, the third and the trilogy done. I pegged the timeline because Dino De Laurentiis was still alive and Schwarzenegger was talking about how he is 80 years old. So I think it was the very early 2000s is when they recorded that commentary. And obviously yeah. nothing ever came of it. Well, John Milius had a very debil- debilitating stroke about five years ago. So oh, there's, okay. there's no way it would have been after. I mean, He's relatively recovered, but he's in, he's not directing any more movies. Yeah, um, that's part of the documentary. It's why it's really good. Gotcha. Um, but uh, I keep losing my train of thought. Oh, the, the the that that commentary. Arnold should never be allowed near a commentary ever again. Because <laughs> Milius would say he'd start to talk about something interesting, and then Arnold would be like, "Look at that horse there! Look at that horse! He's jumping! Ah, that's funny." <laughs> Come on, Arnold. He has nothing interesting to say. It I love true. Arnold, but come on. It is true. Never let him on a commentary. And I'm trying to think of the other commentary. That I was, it, it's kind of the same thing. He he didn't. He hasn't added a lot in any of the commentaries that I've listened well, to. He's also on the Total Recall commentary. Maybe that's but, the one. Yes, with Paul Verhoeven. But that one's fun because both he and Paul Verhoeven have nothing to say. So they're just they're talking about nonsense. <laughs> in their various accents, yeah. which makes it even better. That's the one. Total I, Recall. I kind of like that one. And also because it's such a, you know, I mean, both movies are kind of schlocky, but just like, look at this guy. I'm using him as a human shield. Ah. You know, whereas this has like these big epic moments. He's like, oh, look at the donkey there. Look at that horse. Yeah, I know. Also, he kept talking about how uh, uh, James Earl Jones was hypnotizing people. Uh, I, I missed that. <laughs> I mean, maybe I was mishearing it, but it sounded like he was saying hypnotizing, not no, hypnotizing. You're, you're probably right. Um, but yeah, so, and then forging the sword, and then we go to... Uh, up on the up on the hill, getting a, a lesson from his father. Yeah, and, and this this speech also, you know, the Mako thing at the beginning is a nice like palate cleanser. But I, I want to play this speech by his father because I just think it's really well written and like uh, simultaneously kind of like rousing, but also like sweet the way he's kind of talking with his son. Yeah, it it reminds me a little bit of Game of Thrones in some ways, actually. Fire and wind in some ways, the sky from the gods of the sky. But Crumb is your god. Well, Ned Stark lives in the earth. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, Once you know, this movie is very mythological, earth. and I like how it, be, it begins with mythology. Yeah. And in the darkness of chaos, they fool Crumb. Oh, nice job. In the darkness <laughs> Blu-ray player. Crumb was angered, and the earth shook. Yeah, the music here. It's, and fire it and wind struck down these giants, and they threw their bodies into the waters. But in their rage... 
The gods forgot the secret of steel and left it on the battlefield. I don't know why, but it's like... The who found it are just men. It's like a really weirdly emotional... Not what? gods, not giants. Just men. And the secret of steel has always carried with it a mystery. You must learn its riddle, Conan. You must Conan. learn it. Yeah. See, he says Conan. Yep. For no one, no one in this world can you trust. Not men, not women, not beasts. And he holds up the sword. This you can trust. It's just, it's such a great way to start this movie. You know, it, it, anybody, like, I'm sure the Universal exec- executives are saying, you don't need that scene, take it out. I, I think you need it. Like, yeah, I can see that. I mean, I, I think it improves the movie. I Do you think you you need it? I mean, I, I could see where you could... I mean, not for plot reasons you don't need it. Right. But it really just sets the stage and sets the tone for everything. I mean, it does set up the Riddle of Steel, which is sort of plot-related, but yeah, even, that, even that, not really. The, I will say that in my notes, the one thing I couldn't have when he, when he points to the story that you can trust Steel, I, I just had... The Ironborn. Do you pay the iron price or the gold price? <laughs> well, there, would be, there must be a steel price. Yeah, this is all about steel. Yes. Uh, is iron better than steel or vice versa? I always forget. Uh, no. Steel is better than iron. Yeah. Okay. So is there no steel on Game of Thrones? I never thought about that. They haven't invented steel yet? No, there's Valerian steel. Oh, that's right. Okay. That's, but, the, that's the greatest steel there is, is Valerian steel. But is there a crappier steel? Or is that the only kind of steel? Uh, no, there's I, a, I think that there's a crap. At least in Game of Thrones, there's a crappier steel. No, but you know what I'm saying? Like, are, are all their swords iron, or are they steel? But like, I think not, it's a, no, it's the a, awesome. Steel. Yeah, no, it's inferior that it's not infused with dragon breath or whatever you know Valerian steel is. We're really off topic. So <laughs> well, I'm just curious. I mean, it's all about steel, so you know. It, it, I just I just couldn't remember what was better, iron or steel. This guy, the, the, you know, Conan's father, um, who I, I just think this one scene he gets, I think he's really good. I looked up who he is, and he's, I didn't recognize him at all. So he is in. His name is William Smith. I wouldn't know it if I looked. At it. I've got the note here, uh, and he used to be a bodybuilder, apparently. Oh, and he goes all the way back to the '40s. But the one movie that jumped out to, at, at me, he's in Hell Comes to Frog Town. Have you ever seen that? No. Have you ever heard of it? No. <laughs> you should see Hell Comes to Frog Town. It's You've a ra- seen some random stuff. It's no, it's uh, it's a rowdy Roddy Piper starring vehicle. Oh man, I'm a, I've just become interested. It's crazy. <laughs> It's a post-apocalyptic movie where, like, everyone is sterile except this guy named, like, Bill Hell or something. <laughs> and it's played by Rowdy Rowdy Piper, and so all women are just like, oh, they just throw themselves at her net. It's amazing. <laughs> and then there are, like, frogs. They're, like, mutant frogs because it's post-apocalypse. You know what? See, just, hell comes a frog oh, down. Thinking about this out loud, we've debated whether or not when we finish with Schwarzenegger season four, if we'll continue on. <laughs> I'm going to nominate for one of the <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper. One of the one of the contenders would be Rowdy Roddy Piper. I mean, I don't, I I would never call Hell Comes a Frog Town a good movie. Like, I, I even that's even as fine. much I like the idea of it more than I actually like watching it. I don't actually own it on DVD. Someone, a, a former coworker, lent it to me once, and it was just it was one of the most amazing things I ever saw. <laughs> and apparently, this guy's in it. Um, but yeah. Anyway, and then we go to the the village attack. Yeah, so it is, you know, quite the juxtaposition. Get kind of right to that, and uh, a a bodybuilding friend of of Arnold gets in <laughs> yes. in the sequence. Not not Sven yet. Another minute or so, but right. yeah, Franco Colombo beats him to the punch. Here. Yes, a Franco Colombo picture opens up. I would have never recognized him. I mean, not I. that I necessarily like have seen a lot of Franco Colombo. Like, no, he's it's in Terminator, right? And, well, and also uh, Pumping Iron, but I haven't seen that in a while. Same here. He's the redheaded. 
he's got like tattoos all over him and stuff. Yeah. It's uh, it was a, it was a little weird. It's a pretty cool shot. He jumps up on a rock and he's just like go, and all the horses come. Yeah, but that's what I understand is how much of a lead did he have on everybody? Because everybody else is on horses, but him. Well, he's credited as Pictish Scout, so he's the scout. He he found the village and he kind of like probably did like a bird call or something and <laughs> called him <laughs> called everybody over. I'd like to know a Franco Colombo bird call. He's I don't think he's even really involved in the battle at all. He never no. comes back. He's no, not, he he's not part of uh, the Thulsa Doom's crew later. Nope, he's just here. Like. He's just there for a minute, and he—I uh, don't even think he had a weapon. I no, remembering it back, he literally is just a scout. Jumps up on a rock, and that's yeah. it. It's good work if you can get it. Uh, yes, it's good to be Arnold's bodybuilding buddies. Yep, but then his other buddy, plus a whole other, you know, whole army of guys, yes. come riding into Conan's village and decimates the village, and the, the bodies rack up pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, they do. You want to go through them, or should I just give you a total? Uh, it's up to you. You're, you're the official officiant of uh, the bodies. Uh, well, the only one that jumped out at me is, like, there's a point where there's a guy standing in front of a whole rack of shields. Okay, I don't remember that. he's not holding a shield. He's like a shield salesman. <laughs> and, like, ah, and he just dies. Like, don't, don't, can't you just grab one shield? You've got a whole rack of shield. I'm pretty sure <laughs> they're they're only for sale. He can he can't use the merchandise. Anyway, I'll plow through them if you want. So yeah, there's uh, there's a decent amount of them here. So the horned uh, helmet guy kills a villager with a sword. And then Conan's father comes out and spots everybody. So okay, uh, a raider throws a huge spear. There's a, yep. that's the one guy. <laughs> that's kind of that's like the classic thing where it just cut to the guy going oh he's oh. just holding the spear to his chest. Oh, a little bit of uh, Wade Gustafson and Bardo. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he does a little bit. Now that you mention it. Uh, okay. Uh, villager takes out one of the raiders. Villager dies. I'm not sure how I say I have. It sounds like a gunshot. I remember now. It's like, there's like a weird, like, yeah. cloud of smoke, but I don't know what happened there. So that's, that's number four. Uh, I think in between there, once you get to the four is where I had his Conan's mother is trying to make her way towards Conan and gets blocked off and then he gets some more bodies. Yeah, on. they're kind of separated. He was off uh, ice fishing, so that's yes. why he's kind of away from the village. Luckily for him, like, yep. he shouldn't have even run back. Like I get his mother's there, but but you know, it doesn't stay look stay hidden. Don't yeah. run out. Um, yeah, and then uh, some defending villagers get cut down five and six. Yep. And then here's the guy with the shields, like the whole wall of shields. <laughs> the shield salesman who won't use his goods. I guess not. So he's number seven. Uh, a guy that we later learn is Sven bashes a guy with a hammer. And then some woman with a dagger tries to attack Sven and just bounces off of him. Yes. Um, and is also hammered to death. Uh, I've bearded villager number ten, and this is where Conan and his mother yep get, 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 reunite. Uh, and Conan's father is going to go to work here. Well, first uh, Sven's still going to town. He's got oh, two more there, so that's yep. twelve. I got those, and then Conan's dad goes to work. He gets a couple. Yeah, he gets two, right? And yep. then that's when uh, the guy who's not Sven, the, like mustachioed, he's yes. like a biker. That guy, he's, I guess he was a former football, football player. player. I just call him boss. I was calling him not Sven. Okay. <laughs> Sven and not Sven. Kill that one. Yeah, he goes, kill that one. I like that. This guy is such a terrible leader throughout this whole movie. And we'll have to touch, we'll have to stop and kind of like his tactic. This is, this is very typical of this guy's tactics. Kill that one. It's like great leadership guy. He he couldn't have figured that out on our own. He reminded me for some reason a little bit of Starscream from, from uh, Transformers. Yeah, a little bit. Not very, you know, a number two that's just not very competent. He's just inept. Yeah. He's not as backstabbing, though. He's not really trying to that is what I, you're take right. out Thulsa Doom. I, he's, <laughs> he's content in his, like, number two position. I do. I did always love the fact that Starscream at every turn was trying to undermine Megatron. That is a very Starscream line, though. Kill that one! <laughs> just, <laughs> that's a great Starscream. Oh, thank you. Uh, 
um, <laughs> I have some notes about Cobra Commander later because there are people who turn into snakes. So maybe I can bust out that oh, voice again. Oh, you beat me. I had the original <laughs> Serpentor. Uh, well, Serpentor doesn't turn into a snake, right? Cobra well, Commander is the one who turns into a snake. Yeah, but he's got I'll a bunch of... I'll just do it right now. Once a man! <laughs> Right? Yes, that is fantastic. <laughs> that one was not as good. I, I, I do like some. I don't know if you've if you've seen any of them, but the Twitter feeds that are like depressed Darth. I don't follow them, but yeah, I'm aware. Yeah, of them. and then YouTube video. The, the guy that's Cobra Commander. I just love the Cobra Commander guy for some reason. <laughs> really? Sorry. Yes. On Twitter or on uh, YouTube? Uh, well, he's got a Twitter feed, but yeah, some of his YouTube videos are fantastic. His oh, Cobra Commander. I'll have to look them up. Yeah. Anyway, we were on 14 when Not Sven said kill that one, and then uh, then the burning begins. Yeah, a villager jumps down from a rooftop. 15 kills a guy. Sven kills one more villager, uh, and then. Guy pulls Invader off a horse. We haven't gone to the fire yet. Oh, and then this is where. Okay, so then a screaming like, like something rolls past the camera on fire. It's like a cart that's on fire, but it's also screaming. I couldn't tell what was happening, happening there. I counted a body because there's obviously someone on fire and screaming. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You remember? I remember it, but I thought it was just that's what they were using to like start the fire. I didn't. Well, I didn't think somebody was on fire. Oh, but it was like a cart. Somebody yeah. was on fire and it goes right way yeah. past the camera. Yeah, because I thought that that was what they were using to like get the the big inferno started. Oh, so you think that was like a weapon? Yeah, I the, think it was like a weaponized. Yeah, like a wagon or something that they have to get the big fire started. That's so you what set I the wagon on fire and just roll it into town. Yeah, but someone was screaming in there. So okay, well, did well, they set themselves on fire? <laughs> Maybe it's the Fire Witch from later on. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, these guys, you know, Thulsa Doom's followers, all they want is to die in his service. So it's maybe it's, that's his, like, someone's job to just light yourself on fire and drive a cart, you know, into town. Like, you know. Apparently. Uh, but anyway, I counted someone. Someone's dying, dying there for sure. So. All right. Uh, I lost my place. That was 19? Yeah, 19. Okay. And then some huts, yeah, start on fire, and they start throwing some torches, etc. cetera. Uh, there's a guy lying on the ground, dead by arrows. I counted him. Even though we don't see it. All right. That one I don't have, but that's fine. Uh, okay. Villager gets an axe uh, kill. Villager with small axe I have. Yep. I and, remember that one. And then the hammer comes down on him. Sven's racking him up. I didn't, I, I didn't get Compare. a body count by, like, by character, but yeah. I wish I had. I wish Sven's got to have a high one in this one. Yeah, I ran out of time. I, you know, I think it would be a pretty close race between Sven, Valeria, and Conan. Like, yeah. They all... Uh, They're equally matched. Get some, some kills. In. And then finally, Conan's father gets into the fight. He comes out pretty quick, but he just kind of like, I mean, he gets kills a couple guys earlier, but he doesn't do that much. No, he doesn't. And then the uh, the shields, maybe that's the reason why that guy couldn't use the shields. He had sold them all to the the kennel, who is keeping those dogs that are the armored oh. Rottweilers. Oh, they have shields. Yes. Oh, those, I missed that. Well, they have they have armor on them. You missed that on the Rottweilers. Oh, I knew they had armor, but yeah. like, I just assumed it was a couple of shields that they put on both they sides just, like, of those dogs. Took them apart. But yeah, my note is so a guy rides by and very casually inserts an axe into Conan's father's back, and then the dogs finish him off. Yeah, yeah and then uh, it's it's my note is I know there's no way around this, but attack dogs in movies are always trained to go for forearms just yeah. to be safe. Right, but it never looks it real. It doesn't look good, and, and the casual acts, you're right. I wanted, I mean, I wanted Conan's father to go down better than that. It, it was kind of a, I don't know, it, it was kind of an unsatisfying way to go out for him. Yeah, I mean, he should have a little bit more glory or something. Yeah. Or, like, defending his family or something. He's just kind of off on the other side of the village yeah, doing he, his own thing. Yeah, well, he, never, he never even made it to midfield. No, not at all. I mean, it, it, it should have been something. Somehow his, he and, his, and Conan should have interacted in this battle somehow. Yeah, but, Instead, he's over with his mother, but, yeah, whatever. So that's 23 total, just yep. in the battle. And we'll get one more in a minute. 
Yeah, and so then you get uh, we've we've noted that it's Sven, but until now you haven't actually seen his face because he had a giant helmet on. But after this, you get Sven revealed, and then yeah. James Earl Jones. Yeah, and James Earl Jones. You know, he's not in this movie as much as you think. Yeah, he's talked about a lot, but you know, for he the time that he's in, he does not have a ton of time in this at all. Yeah, but I, I think he's really good. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's just kind of like vaguely menacing. You know, it's not he's not doing a lot, but. He is effective. That's kind of like it's a sort of hypnotic, and you can you can completely see how he's a trained stage actor. I mean, you you definitely see it. Well, I thought you were gonna say you can see how he's a cult leader that like, oh, like, well. hypnotizes people. You're talking about the actor, not the character. No, yes, I'm talking about James Earl Jones, not uh, Thulsa Doom. Well, it's funny because uh, on the uh, Milius com- uh, uh, documentary, there was a thing where James Earl Jones was talking about how Arnold went to John Milius and said, "Hey, since I'm not really an actor." Can you direct me differently? Like, just tell me what to do. Tell me when to look up. Tell me when to look down. Just like direct me like a puppet. And James Earl Jones heard that, and he kind of he like sheepishly went over to John Milius. He's like, "That sounds pretty good. Can you do that with me too?" <laughs> <laughs> so even James Earl Jones, this like classically trained actor, like I like that. He, he talked about like, "Oh yeah, that was actually kind of fun." <laughs> I just did what he told me. Treat me like a puppet. That's um, they, uh, that was my description, not their description. Yeah, whatever. But yeah, that's basically what they were saying. But uh, Doom yeah. does break out his what was it? Him, him, hypnotic. Hip, what was it that you said? Arnold said, "Oh, hi, hypnotize, hip, hip, hypnotize." Yes, he hypnotizes uh, Conan's mother. Yes, she falls under the spell, and yeah, she doesn't make it. What do you think of like the way Falsa Doom looks? Like just the whole like. The robes and, well, I guess he doesn't have the robes here. But, like, the later. wig and yeah. he's got, like, green contacts. Like, I, I think uh, Milius was talking about how he wanted him to look kind of ethnically ambiguous, but I don't think it really works. Like, no. It, it looks like a wig. It looks like yeah. that. The, he's got, like, bangs. <laughs> it's, I, don't, I don't think, especially the wig. I think the wig looks really phony. I agree. So, he looks like Zoe Deschanel with that wig. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what I would have come up with, but that's a good one. It's bangs. He shouldn't have bangs. I you're you're right. A villain with bangs. I was is just going to say no. He's not intimidating enough. <laughs> I mean, but he, maybe that's maybe that's how his hypnotic power works. Everybody is just zeroed in on the bang. Why does he have bangs? Right. And yeah, then I mean, your head just gets lopped off as I, you're trying to figure out the bangs. I guess so. You think it's his eyes, but it's hypnotizing not, it's the no. bangs. Um, no, I think uh, James Earl Jones works through it and works past it. I just don't. I think it would have been a little more intimidating if not for that wig. And I know they didn't bring this up on the commentary, but it it does make sense that they had to have everybody be relatively tall because James Earl Jones is is a big guy. Yeah, um, Sven's taller than Arnold. Yeah, Sven's taller than Arnold, and it does it makes sense that you want him to have his opponents look pretty evenly matched. Yeah, which is funny because as you get later in his career and you've got James Conn, it's just like this just is not believable. <laughs> That's one bit the opposite. Yeah, right. Uh, I have uh, not Sven here. It's Ben Davidson is his name. Okay, and so I, I, my note here is he was in Necessary Roughness, and once I saw his IMDb, I, re- I remembered. I can now. I remember him. He's yeah. the he's on the convict. Uh, yeah, crew. yeah, the team that plays them when they're doing their scrimmage. Yeah, I did watch that recently. I know it came up on some recent episode. Yeah, well, Sinbad. We were talking about. That's right. Yeah, you Sinbad. forgot Sinbad was in it. Yeah, it, it didn't hold up as well as really. Yeah. Oh man, that's exactly that, what I was afraid of. It didn't disa- hold up. That's disappointing. I'm guessing the Robert Loggia scene still held up pretty well. Uh, which one? The I mean, one he goes, he's screaming and all that. Like just about anyone. No, just I mean, if this wasn't AstroTurf, I'd dig a grave for myself. <laughs> well, that's a good line. Yeah, and there's some good moments in it. Actually, this, the scene at the end where Robert Loggia is screaming. The one thing I noticed is how edited it feels. 
Like, it's a PG-13 movie. I'll bet it was R and originally, and they cut it down. Because he's just like, this stinking tie doesn't work for me, and this stinking shirt, and you stinking guys can go stink and go out there. It's like, boy. It's like the TV edit, but the real movie. The real is, movie is did the it. It wasn't uh, Mr. Falcon. Yeah, I was waiting for the Mr. Falcon to come out. So that was my only impression <sighs> of Mr. Roughness. It's just like, wow, they really uh, cut out a lot bad. of swearing. It was pretty obvious. I'm still going to go watch it. Maybe it'll hold up better with me. Yeah. Also, uh, I, I really like the name Falsa Doom. Yeah, I think, I think a that's good, a cool name. Yeah, yeah I agree. The, like Doom is corny, but Thulsa somehow takes the curse. I was, it, it gives some sort of gravitas. Yeah, I, I don't know if Thulsa is a real word. If they met, or if John Williams made it up, or Oliver Stone did, or who knows? But it's, it's a good, good uh, added to like the baby book. Like people should start naming their kids. <laughs> I want someone to name their child Thulsa. <laughs> Oh, well, hopefully our podcast will just catch fire one day, and the, so we'll, we'll know when the Social Security Administration, when we see that that name, Thulsa, is just shooting up the charts. I would be thrilled. But anyway, yes, Conan's mother, uh, she's 24. I think it's handled pretty well. It's pretty, like, tasteful is, pretty, is a weird word to use yeah. when she's being beheaded, but yeah. I like that he doesn't look at her. He looks at his hand. Like, that's kind of, it's a nice way to handle it, where you don't really see it, because... Right. Conan doesn't see it. He just he just feels her hand slip away, and she yeah topples over. And then uh, yeah. you get the the snake sigil uh, before you know fading away to a march away from the village, and that's it. And then you get some more narration. Yeah, uh, I like the way the narration is used in this movie, where it's not used for almost never. I shouldn't say it's not, because there are a few times where it's used for exposition, but almost never. Like in fact, this scene it's like the opposite where. Uh, Mako's going like, no one knows why they came. It's like, that's the exact opposite of what every other movie would do where it's trying to fill you in on in information. He's yeah. just like, hell if I know. Yeah. It's just <laughs> I random. That. And I, in some ways, that's probably more realistic too, right? And no, I just, mean, it, it, he's being honest he's, as the storyteller. He's, he's being honest when he doesn't have Even if there was a reason, it was lost, you know, lost in translation. Well, actually, uh, I didn't even think about it until just now, but later in the story, we do find out why he was there. Because it doesn't, Thulsa Doom tell Conan later, like, oh, in my youth, I was obsessed with steel. I went and found steel wherever. So that's, isn't that why he was there? It's because they were trying to, they were raiding to acquire steel? I, I know that he had indicated that, yeah, in his youth that he was, uh, you know, I don't know if it was reckless, but, you know, that he believed the story. But I didn't remember, I, I've watched it three times, too. Once with commentary and then two through it. But I don't remember him talking about being obsessed with steel. I'm when, sure you're right. When Conan's caught and he's in the fountain. No, I, I know, yeah, the, the story, I, I, I know exactly when you're talking about it. I just don't remember him saying that it was an obsession with steel. Maybe we should play it when we get yeah, to it. Yeah, probably to, pull it up. Um, also, this narration did, uh, my note is, it reminds me of Stonehenge, where no one knows who they were or what they were doing. <laughs> he basically says that. Like, that is very or less, much, yeah. Word for word. From... Uh, this is Spinal Tap. Yeah. So when you're uh, when you're captured, you you head north to the Vanir, the Lord, land of the Vanir. Which, by the way, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this stuff. But I looked up the it name drops a lot of like locations, and apparently this movie is very very true to the kind of Robert E. Howard world and like places. And I pulled up a whole map of there if we ever need it. But uh, <laughs> I don't want to spend a ton of time of it. But I was actually kind of surprised because i thought the reputation of this movie is that like it wasn't true at all oh okay to you know basically like they made up whatever 
But I guess not, because I was looking it up. I think every time they would mention a place, I'm like, I'm going to look that up and see if that's it's like... It's funny, because what I had is that you and I made a big deal that the only thing Red Sonja really focused on was directions. And so this was <laughs> the true. first indication of, oh, like, uh-oh, they're going to start racking up the directions. It's this well, This is to the east. That's to the west. But it's telling, because we were critical of Red Sonja, because we were saying, oh, it feels like they're just making it up as they go. Yeah. It never feels like that here. No. Like, you know, or did you feel that way? Or did no, you I don't think so. I, I, I felt that there was a reason that they were telling you this, and then... You you get it right. He gets put on the wheel of pain. Yeah, the wheel of pain, which is simultaneously a preposterous idea yes. and an amazing idea. So I'd like to ask uh, you and the audience at Bad Puns Podcast on Twitter: Do you think the wheel of pain that the, these are that this is the only wheel of pain, or do you think that this is like a franchise or something where there's there's wheels of pain grinding grain or whatever it is throughout this this world? There's well, a reason. There's a reason that I ask. Okay, you want my answer, or do you? Yeah, want I want to... your answer first. I assume that there are multiple wheels of pain. Okay, this is like a cultural thing, where this is what these, you know, this culture does: is they raid and they get children and bring them back and have them push the wheel. These wheels of pain. Yeah, like maybe they don't have they don't have any livestock. Like they don't have donkeys to do this. So it's no, like, well, so they, we get, have... they capture kid. That, so yeah. that's what I took it as. And so here's the reason why: because do you think? When Conan gets uh, first put on the wheel of pain as a as a kid, he's locked in by by like a red headed kid that's a little bit older than him. Yeah. Do you think who come the the redhead the gladiator manager who comes back? Do you think it's the same person? Oh wow! Now, now I do. Here's the reason why. Here's that's here's, a great wow. I don't know if I mean maybe that, I don't know if it is. So here's what I envision. No, you just blow my mind. <laughs> I envision that the. That the, that that redheaded kid that he didn't want to run the wheel of pain business that his that his parents, <laughs> that his parents owned, and he decided I'm going to go strike it down on his own. He had, completely bombs out. He, he comes pit, back. No, I, was, I thought he was like, he had like a pit fighter startup. No, and now that, he's poaching from the company he came from. Oh no, see, I I think that he like tried to go out on his own and say, "This wheel of pain, this is terrible. I don't want to sit in this town. I'm going to go make something of myself." And he goes to try and be yeah, like a trainer or something for pit fighters, and he comes back. Just totally despondent, hat in hand, and he's got to go back to dad and say, Dad, yes, I failed. And then what does he see but a meal ticket? Because there's one <laughs> kid and he's a giant, the only survivor left on the wheel of pain. Yeah. And he says, Ah, I found my meal ticket. I, I love this idea. I mean, I really, really, I mean, I. That that redhead is the same person? I. They may be what the movie is indicating. I'm not sure, but I mean, I, I like the idea. Like I have no I, idea. I'd be curious to know if this is like a theory that is common, or if you've come up with something that is really. Like, I just, it's I think probably that's, common. I can't imagine that I'm the first one to wonder that. I, I don't know. I didn't didn't even occur to me, and I think it's a, a brilliant idea. I just because it's I, just like he just wanders around and he just wanders by and buys him. It's like who right. is this guy? Well, you never the, learn who he is. That's the thing. Is I had a, a hard. Yeah. Not only that, <laughs> then he gets drunk or whatever and decides after he made <laughs> a bunch of money on it, he's really reckless. Yeah. I. Uh, it's. I mean, I guess it's just from Conan's point of view. So. Conan never doesn't know why this guy bought him or sold. You know, let's set him free or any right. of this, so we don't get to know. But yeah, I I feel like we need to learn a little bit more because I mean, I, you to me, I had to connect the dots in some way. No, that's a great. Connection. This guy just. I mean, you're right. It's told from Conan's point of view, and the you know uh, a, a a guy who's a pit fighter manager basically buying the human trade. He's not going to explain himself to Conan, right? I understand that, right? But it's just, where did this guy come from? He's just wandering around, oh, checking out the Wheel of Pain, seeing if I can find anybody for my pit fighting skill or uh, pit fighting crew. Yeah, uh, I, I did like that that redheaded guy, but uh, I, I just it's you mentioned something offhandedly. I just want to confirm with you because 
So, so all those other children died from oh, pushing yeah. this wheel. Yeah, they didn't that's make what's important. No, no, and I, I think, I mean, I think that the wheel of pain is, uh, you know, sort of like you've, you've got the steel in the beginning or the sword in the beginning uh, being forged. Is literally this is showing him grinding out time and that nobody else survived, but he just through sheer will, yeah, built himself into what he, you know, is as a physical specimen. Well, we neglected to mention uh, the Nietzsche quote at the beginning. That what doesn't kill me makes yeah. me stronger, which yeah. is another reason why I was accused of being fascist is because it has a Nietzsche quote at the front whatever. of it. But yeah, whatever. I agree. Uh, so here's here's the other thing. So it clearly built up his strength. But what do you think about his cardio? I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, he, I had that same thought. It's like, is this really going to be enough? Just pushing a big wheel? That, because, I mean, he outruns those dogs later on. I'm like, where did where was he getting his cardio? Because, I, I, you know, the strength I buy, I buy building the legs, building the upper body. But that cardio, I'm not sure the Wheel of Pain would have built that. Well, by that point, he had had training with, like, sword masters and all that. So I they guess, probably built up his car. All right, that's fair. That's fair. It's funny, actually, because in real life, uh, Arnold lost a lot of mass to play this part because it was so, like, physically, like, he needed to have better cardio. And so he, he shrunk down a lot from his, like, bodybuilding weight. And uh, just, just for the hell of it, because I bought the, the Blu-ray and it also has Conan the Destroyer on it. I, I wasn't really paying that close attention because, I you know, we'll, we'll get to it eventually. We'll get to it in next season. So I was just watching it while I was working from home. And... Uh, He's huge in that movie, like way, way bigger than he is here. Wow! And I know it was noticeable. So it's just like, you know, and then did he go? Do you think he maybe got back on the wheel of pain to bulk himself <laughs> he, up? He must have. I mean, Conan did. Yes, Conan's man. I, yeah, I'm. I'm getting out of shape. <laughs> I don't like this. I need to. I need to get back in shape. I'm going back to the wheel of. Pain. I'm going to buy that franchise. Do you think when he becomes king, he like orders build me a wheel of pain, <laughs> a bigger, stronger? <laughs> right. I'm going to push. Two tons of wheel of pain. I guess in actuality, the, that wheel that they built, you know, because it's a wheel and it was just it was balanced so well that like it took nothing to push. You could just like push yeah. it and it would just spin like a, like. A, <laughs> That's hilarious. So yeah, in, in reality, I think they had to have other like stage Count, hands on the other side like pushing against it. So anyway. so here's the other question I have on the wheel. I wanted to spend a little bit of time on the wheel of pain. Okay. I mean, could you really get no other labor to cheap? chip in as it as it died off could they not go raid well, that's what i'm saying you just need a mule or a couple of mules and you could do this but i guess they don't have that but then I, I thought about it as the movie went on i'm like so do you think that the problem is is that doom's cult is eating so many people that they can't spare it for any of the wheels of pain uh maybe i mean i think that stuff is going on pretty far away is my sense i shouldn't have looked at that map because now i have like some knowledge that maybe we shouldn't have but they're like you know the, the road from king's landing up to the wall is really far so yeah. i mean the, the geography isn't really important in this movie but because i looked at it now i know that like the wheel of pain is way north and yeah. tulsa doom is way south um but um yeah i i really you know the, the wheel of pain is the kind of thing that really makes this movie feel more mythological, mythological, yeah. mythological. There's a word. Uh, then any other movies like this, like sword and sorcery kind, you know, like red Sonia, it feels so frivolous compared to this. Yeah. And a lot of it is because of stuff like the wheel of pain, which is on its face preposterous, but it feels like mythology in the right. same way that like Beowulf or something. It's like, yeah, all this is preposterous, but it's not, it's building to something. And it's almost like you, it makes you wonder like, is this all supposed to be real? Or is this Mako, his you know chronicler, kind of exaggerating things and building him up and saying Conan's so great? Like maybe there's some truth to the story, but maybe it wasn't like what we're actually seeing. Like, yeah, I, I, I mean, I would assume because that's generally the case, right? With any sort of hero and mythological figure, a lot of things either get exaggerated or left out to to make them seem greater than they truly are. Yeah. Did you see the Zemeckis Beowulf? I did not. No. Uh, I really liked. Uh, 
I, I was an English major, so and <laughs> I, I, you know, Beowulf. I've had to read Beowulf at least three times. But uh, and I like Beowulf. I mean, it's hard to you kind of have to get like a basically a translation because yeah. that old English is impossible. But uh, no, the movie version of Beowulf is really interesting because of the way it handles the idea of mythology and basically the uh, well spoiler for Beowulf <laughs> spoiler for the oldest story ever <laughs> ever written I, I think the statute <laughs> of limitations is up on Beowulf I guess so but but I mean the movie version does kind of have a very specific interpretation which is it's all BS Beowulf made it all up like all of it and except for the end when the dragon stuff happens that's real but basically like it's it's interesting the way that movie deals with mythology, kind of like the negative side of things, where he's always talking about how amazing he is, and he killed Grendel, and but he didn't actually. You know, I, I we shouldn't get into it because it's a too long a conversation. But I, I just wonder if there's an element of that here, where because his chronicler is telling this tale, it's like maybe we should take a little bit of the story oh, I, with a grain I, of salt. And, I absolutely would. You can't take it as gospel. Anything in mythology, you can't. But it doesn't mean it's not valuable just because maybe it's not all, like, quote-unquote real. And obviously none of it's real. But, you know, like, even if it's his chronicle making this stuff up, it still has there's value a- as the myth of Conan the absolutely. Barbarian. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I, there's probably elements of truth to everything. They're just exaggerated. Right. So, yeah, I, I, that's how I kind of interpret this movie is Mako's making some of this stuff. But Wheel of Pain is just like, what, really? But... Yeah, you know. so he probably really spent like six months on the Wheel of Pain is what, is what it really is, and then they just exaggerated Or it. just, yeah, it's like a, a streamlining of the story. It's like he spent two years doing this manual labor, and then he spent three years doing this manual labor, and, you know, you know the chronicler, uh, you know, the, the studio heads of the chronicler is like, got to streamline this. Oh, yeah, we got to cut this down. We got to combine things here. We got to yeah. make this a little more succinct. A wheel of torture. No, no wheel no. of death. No. Pain. Pain. I, that's it. You got it. Yes. <laughs> So, um, and then the other, the other thing on the wheel of pain, I like that when, when he gets to the pit fighting and I know that I think it's just, it's supposed to be a symbol of, I, I think his manager, but it looks like he's wearing a necklace of the wheel of pain. I, I like the idea that there's like a gift shop as, as part of the wheel of pain <laughs> franchise. Yeah. And then on his way out the door, he like, he steals something from the gift shop and says, I'm wearing this. Or it's like his gold watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like his retirement. No, you know what it is? It's his, like, 20 years service pin. That's what it is. <laughs> I like that. Congratulations on your 20 years pushing the wheel of pain. Pushing the wheel of pain. This is what you get. Well, the weird part about the wheel of pain is the guy buys him, and he they walk off, or ride off, I forget. And then the wheel of pain is just, like, dormant now. Like, the guard, what, the one guard at the, at the top is just like, oh, I'm out of a job. Great, yeah, I just got laid off. <laughs> just, Thanks. He just wanders away. That, that actually lends more credence to the fact that that probably is the wheel of pain owner's son. Because he's the only one that could come in and make that deal. He's like, great, now is the old man's just going to retire and just put this thing out the pasture, and I'm done. Do so you think that's Redhead's father up there? Like, the guy... No, no, no. That, that Who owns the... We- I think that, that the Redhead, his dad, owns the Wheel of Pain. Unseen. Unseen okay. owns the Wheel of Pain. And now, yeah, you're right. That, that one, The one guard is left. He's like, great. I put in all this time. I don't even get a Wheel of Pain. I don't get the 20-year pin. I just get laid off. He gets, like, the, the center spindle, like, yes, shape or something. That's what he gets. And that's where he stood. That's yeah. a pretty cushy job. Like, yeah, that guy's really uh, losing out on a pretty great job. Yeah, so now he's got to go find one of the other ones somewhere else in, in the, uh, the kingdoms. To, to hopefully that they'll have a need to actually hire him. Well, maybe he can be a pit fighter like uh, Conan, because that's where he's going. So. That's where he's headed, and he is not ready for the pits, that's for sure. Yeah, I like the way this first fight I think it's really well, really well done. Yeah. He's, like, very innocent. Yeah. In a way that, 
it makes sense, but when you're watching a movie called Conan the Barbarian, you kind of expect him to be a killer right from the start, and he's yeah. not. He's just, he doesn't even know what's going on. Well, no, because that, what we've gotten, again, assuming that Mako, Mako, yeah, I knew I was going to do Mako at some point. <laughs> I'll do it eventually, too. Uh, is, you know, isn't making everything up like the usual suspects. I mean, what you've seen is he's witnessed, you know, his, his family and village being exterminated. Right. Oh, yeah, that's and then pushed true. a wheel. So why would he be, you know, a natural killer? He wouldn't be. He, right. Oh, I, I don't think he even really understands that he's in a fight until it starts. Right. Like, no. There's this guy sitting across from me. I don't know what's going With on. vampire teeth. Yeah, that, that's pretty crazy. Do you think that guy is like some kind of creature or did he file his teeth to be a better pit fighter so he could like no, bite I, people? I didn't. Outside of the witch, there. I mean, there is the witch in this, but I just, I don't feel like that this is that kind of world and... I know later in Red Sonja we get Wizzo with his internet TV, which I so badly wanted that in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I know it would make it would diminish this movie, but I love that idea of Wizzo for some reason. It would come in handy. Tulsa Doom should have bought one of those. It would have helped him out a lot. It would have significantly would have helped him out. He spent all his money on like orgy paraphernalia <laughs> and snakes and snakes well, raising big snakes. Um, and so, no, I, I took it as that it's, it's, that this is to be more grounded in reality. And so, no, that yeah. he filed it down to make it. And I would assume that he's probably been a successful pit fighter and that he was getting, you know, easy, easy pickings for, for this fight or, or so he thought. Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't seem like, I don't know that much about, we talked about it in Red Sonia, but like, I don't know that much about the Robert E. Howard world and Hyborian age and all that. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's a world where there's like orcs and elves and things. I think no. it's supposed to be like prehistoric earth. Yes. And I, I'm pretty grounded in reality. Yeah. So yeah, it's probably just a guy who filed down his teeth and all, all for nothing. Cause uh, he doesn't make it out of this fight. He doesn't make it out of this fight, but he, I mean, he, he draws blood, at least, with the teeth, so it's not like it was a waste of time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was the, effective. The teeth did their job. It's just yes. He didn't finish it up. He didn't follow through on it. Yeah, so we get this uh, pit fighter montage where he starts to gain notoriety. I, do, I, like the, I, I don't know how realistic it is, but I like in that first fight that when Arnold finally figures out, oh, I'm in trouble here. i got to do something. And when he overpowers him, the way he just pounds down on him to yeah. break his arm, I did really enjoy that. It's, it's appropriately awkward. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah it's really... Like smart the way they because from from this point forward he becomes a better fighter and trains and all that so all the fights going forward he's a really skilled so it's 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 good to see where he's starting from yeah. he just yeah he just grabs the guy's arm and just oh, he just he, he just, just pounds doing down on it a couple of times and then I'm assuming snaps his neck when he runs him into the wall yeah I'm counting all these I oh, I, I have to assume a pit fight doesn't end until one person's dead no I assume everybody is dead <laughs> yeah so every but one it, of these opponents I counted as a body but at first I thought there were more opponents than there were until when I went through the second time and I really realized no he's wearing the same stuff and using the same weapons there weren't as many as I thought well how many do you have I had seven. Uh, let's see. I got two, four. For some reason, I have six, but you you might be right, so I might have just missed one. It's possible I counted one twice because it was tough. Because yeah, it kind of goes back and forth between a couple of fights. I, I tried doing it too. That you know, there's one that there's the. I have an axe. I have a sword. Then he has like those. I I call it. Uh, oh, what was it? Baraka from uh, from Mortal Kombat <laughs> when he's got those things. I was calling them knife knuckles. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Uh, so I tried doing it by weapon. So you, I, I'm going to go with you because you, you're the official counter, and we're, and we're close. So it, it, it's not like we're off by a, a ton. Well, if we need to make an amendment in the uh, recap, we'll do that because yeah. maybe I'll go back and recheck it. So but we're yeah, 31 he, now. He, he progressively too. He, he's getting a little bit of uh, Russell Crowe in, in Gladiator too, where he's you know playing up to the crowd a little bit as well. He's he's starting to enjoy what he's doing. He isn't. He isn't because I like. There's like a yeah montage where he's just like yeah he's pumping up the crowd, but then there's a long shot at the end of the montage. 
like a close up on his face and he just got dead eyes. Like yeah. he is, he looks haunted by what he's doing, you know? So I think there's a little of each, you know, he's, he's enjoying it, it, but he's also kind of haunted by it. And it might be one of those two that maybe he, uh, enjoying it is wrong, but he realizes to be successful and I guess to continue to survive and be valuable that he needs to get the audience engaged. And so maybe he's acting and playing it up at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, well, I think so. Um, but, and, and also maybe I shouldn't be crediting, Arnold for like portraying a haunted like I don't know if he's really capable maybe it's just he had gas at the end of the day or something like, I don't even, <laughs> he does, I mean he doesn't look happy and like that that last shot he looks kind of uh, lost screwed up in the head and then yeah Mako has a line where he goes in time his victories could not be easily counted it's just like damn you Mako <laughs> give me a number <laughs> please make it like uh, what was it. What was the one that we did? Oh, End of Days, where uh, they had oh, the, in the restaurant. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like a total, total casualty of 30 plus. Someone gets someone. Uh, somewhere between 30 and 39. Yeah, uh, I wish Mako gave us a number. But then again, if he gave us a number, he'd probably be counting guys we didn't see, so that would put us in a tough spot. We're 31, I'm, we're, we're going to stick with that. So we've got 31 in total, and uh, one thing I want to note, I, I don't have the the timeline yet, but so far... We have no lines from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yep. No lines from Conan as a character at all. Right. Because even as a kid, the kid never speaks. Yeah, he just looks at his father and then looks at his mother. Well, yes, looks at his mother and then doesn't look at his mother and yeah. looks at her hand. I mean, Conan doesn't really speak much at all. No. The, the interesting, everyone knows about that, the fact that it takes forever for Arnold to speak. But the thing that I thought was more interesting is he almost never, when we get to Valeria, I think he only says like two lines to her the whole movie. I think you're right. So you do get a little bit of direction here. They head east to get him some more uh, more non-pit fighting training. Yes, in Kitai, which is their China equivalent. And then yeah. later, I think, kind of Mongolia, because he's kind of with some, some kind of I, yeah, Genghis I, Khan type uh, guys. I do enjoy that they brought in a, diff- a, a number of different cultures. This world's cultures, yeah. in terms of his training, and um, I, I enjoyed that, that he's got different philosophies that he's participated in. Yeah, I mean, and even if you're not looking at a map, you can definitely get the sense of just, like, he starts in kind of a more Scandinavia kind of an area. Nordic, right. Yeah, I think the the place where he eventually becomes king, they name drop it, I think is, like, their France equivalent. Okay. But then, yeah, he travels to the east, and he learns, like, with a samurai sword. is right. kind of, But it's, it's it's kind of a mixture of all different kind of Asian cultures, some yeah. Japanese, some Chinese, some Mongolian. And then I think kind of this main brunt of the story is kind of Middle East-ish. Uh, it's hard to say. It's, it's a little, that, that part's a little more vague, like where is Tulsa yeah. Doom's mountain and all that. It's like possibly like Eastern Europe or something, but yeah, Which is interesting. Kind of, you, you, you get a sense of that traveling, even if you don't know exactly yeah. where it is. And that what's interesting is that since this was all filmed in Spain, it's pretty impressive what, what you can get in Spain. Yeah. There's a reason why so many Italian Westerns, they would always go to Spain and like just European movies in general, even like German movies. And there's so many different kind of landscapes in Spain. Right. Topography. That, and yeah. Just, you can get a desert and then drive a half hour and you've got a jungle. It's like, yeah. I mean, not jungle, but you know, forested area. No, it's, it's pretty impressive of how utilitarian Spain can be. Yeah. So I have uh, his training. His training is as follows. Uh, his not his opponent, but uh, whoever was training with him get a smirk yields a kick to the nuts, which yeah. I really, I really do enjoy that. I enjoyed that guy getting what he deserved. Yes, he just... got exactly what he deserved. Yeah, uh, language and writing. Yep, and then naked women <laughs> with like two dozen gawkers standing there. They're all like jockeying for a better view. It's like boy, oh boy. Yeah, prehistoric porno right here. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice sequence where he kind of he's training and. Uh, yeah, the, the only break from training is 
that woman they send in, but otherwise right. it's just like he's train, train, train. Yeah. And then um you finally get a line from Conan shortly thereafter. Best yeah. in life. Yeah, before we get to that though, I wanna just when, when they cut into this little hut and it's a bunch of like it, it's not clear, like, is he fighting for their army now or is he still a pit fighter? Like I'm not or is he just training? Like it wasn't really clear where he is and like the I think he was just training because he still has his manager, you know, Mr. Fuji or whatever you want to call his his manager. Yeah. The redhead guy. What who would that be? Paul Bearer? <laughs> I don't know. There weren't any redheads. Yeah, not really. He's kind of he has a kind of a Jim Duggan esque. There you kind go. Of a, yeah, a vibe okay. to him, but yeah, Jim, he, Jim Duggan was not a manager. manager. But, but if if Hacksaw Jim Duggan was a manager, <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing close to a redhead I can think of. That's uh, awesome. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, but uh, what what made me laugh is they cut into this like hut, and the first thing you hear somebody say is. I fear my son will never understand me. <laughs> like, what a strange thing to overhear in this setting. Uh, but anyway, yes. The guy's taking a quiz, taking a poll of his followers of, of what's best in life, and only Conan gets the right answer. This it, well, it's it's funny that he, the guy is like so adamant about like, he he asks his, one of his guys just like oh the open step and the wind and whatever he says and he's wrong. just wrong yes well very John McLaughlin I, I have the exact same note you beat me to that <laughs> uh, this is the, this is the you know McLaughlin group of yes. the the that is great the the. the Middle Ages. He just just passed away, John McLaughlin. Actually, did he? Yeah, I didn't know that. A few months ago. Yeah, e- either it's uh, John McLaughlin or it's Family Feud. Is the other thing I was thinking of. Oh, that's a good one. Show me open step. <laughs> and, then, and then Conan gives his line, which is obviously a very iconic line. Yeah. And they push in, crush your enemies. What are they, I see them driven before you, you and hear the lamentations of the women. <laughs> lamentations of the women. Um, yeah, which is. It's 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 a weird line when you I guess he was just trained this like his trainer ta- taught him this is what's best yeah, in life because what has he experienced has he been in any wars where he's like crushed enemies and all that I I mean I, unless you're right that he's now fighting as part of his training that he's fighting for the, you know this army I no he, he you saw him stand by watch his village get destroyed push the wheel of pain and pit fight. You yeah. haven't seen him be in any war. Yeah, I, I think maybe they're trying to imply that he's fighting in a war. Like they're, It could be. He's fighting in these guys' army or something. It would make sense because otherwise I, I maybe the you know his pit fighting boss is paying for the training, but otherwise, why would they train him unless they're getting something out of it? Yeah, and why would they risk him in a battle if he's making all this money as a pit fighter or right. something? Um, but anyway, yeah, the thing that made me think of Family Feud is he gives the line... You know, the big push in, and then you hear the guy going, That is good. And everyone's like, Yeah, it's, it almost it made me feel like, good answer, good, good answer. answer. <laughs> Survey says, Ding, Ding. Number one answer. Number one answer. Crush on your enemies and see the <laughs> see lamentations of them before you. Uh, but yeah, it's his first line, and it's, it is an iconic line. They're smart to save it, to have him not speak until yeah. this line, because I think that's part of the reason why it's so iconic, is because he's speaking right. for the first time. Yep, and this is where Redbeard frees him. So here's my question to you on this, and maybe the audience at Bad Pun Podcast on Twitter. Why does he let him go? Is it he he's motivated by the speech? He really believes that he's profited enough off of him. I mean, why does he let him go? I mean, maybe is it just a drunken rage, or he maybe he has a crisis of conscience or something, or he just feels like he can't keep this bird caged any longer. He sees how he sees greatness in Conan, and he can't let him stay a slave or I something. Guess. I mean, again, Mako has a line where he's just like, no one knows. It, what, uh, what's the line? It's, oh, it has been surmised that my master was like a wild animal kept too long. But whatever. Freedom. <laughs> I, I love the way it's whatever. 
freedom, and then he's being chased by wild animals. But I think that's what Mako is surmising, is his master thought he was a wild animal caged too long, so it's like, ah, let him go. I, yeah, I guess. I just, I, it, it's hard to put together. I like this idea, though, that he just had way, way too much to drink, and when he wakes up in the morning, well, oh, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, also, like, does he... <laughs> He's just so mad at himself. Well, also, does he have to check with these Mongols? Like, do they know? Is, are they cool with this? Like, aren't, aren't they kind of invested in Conan's uh, training? training? Yeah, that's a good point. Possibly if they're using him as a maybe warrior. That guy, maybe he didn't make it out of there alive. Maybe. Uh, yeah, it, I, it's so weird. This character just... <laughs> it's, it's so inexplicable, but I think it's the point. I think he's it's kind of an important... I, I think you're right that it's intentional, but he's kind of an important character, and you get nothing on this guy. Yeah, no, nothing. I don't think we even learn his name. No. I mean, there are a lot of characters we don't learn their names. This movie's pretty bad about teaching us people's names. I think even Valeria, I don't think anyone ever says her name out loud. I, I don't think so. I think the only reason I had it is looking up in the credits. Yeah. It's in the credits, and that's it. So I think it's, it's, I'd, I'd be curious to know, actually, what this guy is credited as. This, uh, the, his, like, yeah, master. The, pit, the pit boss, I called him. Hmm. Uh, maybe we'll check later. Yeah, he runs, and dogs are chasing him, which tells you that someone's not happy about it. Because he's free, but someone wants him back. They're sending dogs after him. Do you think so? I thought it was just like wild dogs, that he's just out and about. Oh, and really? This is, yeah, this was just like a pack of wild dogs. Could be. That's maybe, what I thought. Maybe they're supposed to be wolves. They kind of... That's they, what I thought. No, I thought that they... Yeah, well, wolves are wild wild dogs. Yeah. I, that, well, I guess it's easy to train dogs, but I, I wonder. If, it, if he was being attacked by wild animals, I would have preferred it to be something a little more... No, here, well, here's know, the reason... Lion or something. Yeah, here's the reason why I don't... Cause, once they chase him down, if they if there was somebody that had sent them, they shouldn't have been that far behind the dogs and should have been able to, when he's down there getting the, the sword, they should have caught up to him. So that's the reason I think they're wild animals. Yeah, maybe. He does spend a lot of time yeah. down in that tomb. In that tomb that the uh, Karam doesn't want to let his sword go. Is that Karam's sword? That's what I took it as. Oh, because he says Karam, but... It, he says Krom, but I always interpret it as that's like, you know, because that's his god. It's like him, him saying, like, God, you know, someone, <laughs> you know, Krom. No, I took, it was, as, I took it as literally that, you know, it's... That's Krom on the, on the throne? Yeah. I mean, he is in the earth. Right. Krom lives in the earth. That's why, that's what I thought. Huh. I didn't think about that. So he's using a god's sword, then. So this is, this is, if that's true, I'm not sure if I like that idea that that's Krom's sword, because if that's true, then we have the same problem we had with Red Sonia, where... You know, she just had a magical ghost give her her power. Like but, Conan, if Conan just has a magical god sword. No. I mean, he still has to wield it. She had, like, a magical arm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you put it like that, it seems silly, but... <laughs> I mean, she did. Don't well, you remember it, that? It I was guess, like a magic arm. Yeah, her, her, her he sword just, arm. He just has a sword that's stronger and better, but he still has to wield and actually know how to use the sword. But I don't take that it's a magical sword. Okay. So that's that's what I was hearing when you said that. So Krom was real, and now yeah. he's being worshipped as a god. But yes. I thought uh, on the commentary, John Milius said something about them being Atlantean, but I don't remember if that's you may you may be right. You can't you can't treat commentary as fact. Right. Like the movie is never clear who this tomb. He's a king. We know he's a king. Yes. Either way, whether it's uh, yes the lost city of Atlantis or Krom, he's getting a powerful sword from a. Uh, skeleton that doesn't want to let it go. Yeah, and either way, this movie, I think, really spends a lot of time showing you, you know, it has kind of an Ozymandias thing going on where it's like you see a lot of kings past their prime. It's like, you know, between this this dead king and then later Osric. His, yeah, uh, Max von Sydow is Osric. But yeah, the idea that like we know Conan will be king, but all kings end up in the same place and it's just like... Only I, a matter I, of time. Yeah, I like the fact that it's not just focusing on like the strength and the glory. It's like there is a lot of indication that's like 
none of this ends well. It doesn't matter how glorious his life is. Whatever your reign is, it all ends the yeah, same. Yeah, it all ends. So I, I like the fact that the movie kind of does it a lot. I, I agree with you, and that's... Ozymandias is I, there's not many poems that I know and very <laughs> few that I enjoy, but that is one. Ozymandias is very, very good and yeah. effective. But anyway, he he emerges and he breaks his chains with Yeah, it's I like it. It's kind of a rousing scene too when he cuts the chains loose. And what I really like, so he cuts the chains loose, the score is there, and then the next scene, he's wearing those dogs. <laughs> I did not notice that until I listened to the comments. Neither did I, but I really do like it. It, it is, is well done. Yeah, it's a great detail. So this is where he goes to the witch's hut. Yes. I, you know, Conan's getting a lot of women. <laughs> he is. Well, he uh, learns a valuable lesson on this one. There's the right girl and the wrong girl sometimes, Conan. This isn't the girl you take home to his dead mother. No, it uh, is not. I wasn't sure. First of all, I just need to say, you know, I think because maybe I've always watched this on TV, I don't remember this scene at all. And I wonder if it's just cut for TV because there's, you know, Probably. it's obviously it's like, pretty graphic. Yeah, there's a sex scene coming up. Um, but also, is this witch, like, she's helping him. Like for, first of all, okay, let's back up because he arrives and she's in the door of her hut. She's like, I have warmth and a fire. And then he hesitates for a moment and she goes, do you not want my fire and the warmth of my fire? <laughs> like, what, why are you so defensive? You know, like immediately his guard should be up. Like she, she really wants me in by her, her fire. But, but it's true, but I think it's important, right? Because all of these things, this is showing Conan learning all of these skills or things in life that he was just pushing that wheel of pain. So he wouldn't have learned any of this stuff pushing the wheel of pain. So he just he's just still innocent he's, and trusting. Yeah, he's, still, he's still somewhat naive. Because at least so far, the only thing that you've seen were I don't know if that was a noble woman or whatever that was coming for you know the breeding of of stock. Oh, I don't think. I mean, she was stock. They describe her as stock. I don't know. She's not a noble woman. No, but that, well, I, I think sometimes. Oh, you think because he's so like right in in Roman times, there were a lot of noble women that would go and sleep with the gladiators just because they could. They were or gladiators, wanted to. right? Yeah, exactly. Because they were gladiators. I don't know if she looked like she wanted to be there, but uh, either way. So either, let's put yeah, that, either way. What the point is is that he doesn't have any experience of actually going out and meeting women. He hasn't been hanging out <laughs> right. in pubs and learning. Well, uh, I'm not, there's some that I might need to avoid. The only courting that he's learned is have a woman thrown into his pen, and <laughs> that's and it. Have people trying to get a better look inside the cage, <laughs> right? Uh, but here's my real question about this witch: Is she actually trying to help him? Like. <clears throat> They have sex. She says, like, oh, I'll give you, I'll tell you where to go, but it, my information has a price. Yes. You know, she wants to sleep with them. And then they're having sex and things go like crazy and like the lights change and she starts like wolfing. She turns into like an animal. Yes. But is she like attacking him or is she just really wild in the sack? Like, is this just what she's like? <laughs> That's a good question. And if so, see, again, he hasn't learned that, you know, some people are really intense. So he just, I like that his reaction is thrown into a fire. He throws her into this fire. And, you know, I went like, I, I was watching going like, I'm not entirely sure if she was like <laughs> she's attacking him. She's trying to hurt him. Or if she's just like really, you know, she's a witch. Like, maybe this is just what happens. <laughs> That's funny. You know, she can't, about that. she's lost control of herself right. and suddenly her magic is. She's really in the moment. Yeah, the magic all of a sudden takes over and the price she pays is she gets thrown <laughs> into a fire. I mean, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's so funny. It makes me feel guilty to laugh at it, but it's so funny. They, they're having sex and he just goes blah and throws her into a fire. <laughs> into the fireplace. Right, it's not push her off or try and run away. <laughs> no. His reaction is throw her into the fire. He goes from having sex with her to treating her like an enemy in an instant. Yes. It's yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, but she's not dead. I mean she somehow lives yeah. on as a fireball or something. Yes. 
it's a weird moment because she kind of goes like she she turns into a fireball, like sets a couple things on fire, flies away, and then he runs outside to look, and she's just like a fireball laughing, flying across. She's like <laughs> and flies away. I don't know what this scene is. It's a weird scene. Yeah, it, it and this is one of the one of the few where I I do like showing you know his progression in terms of learning things. I I don't think it needed to be mythical and have it a witch though. And yeah. so I think you you could either cut the scene or change it where it doesn't have a woman getting thrown <laughs> thrown into flames. I mean, he needs somehow you need to get him the information of where to go. Uh, but he meets Subatai in a minute, and he could have just known, or some, you know, he could have just met someone. It's just, yeah, why have this magical element sequence? To it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess there is magic later. You know, Thulsa Doom is a sorcerer, and we see that he has some real magic. Or, you know, I guess whatever. That's true. Again, yeah. all of this could be exaggerated, like we were talking about. But um, I don't know. I just, it's just, it doesn't feel like there's a purpose to the scene other than just kind of. You know, they got they got a little they got a sex scene in there. Yeah, and it's the eighties got to have a sex scene in there. <laughs> so here's my question: On you, you brought up Subatai, who we're gonna meet in a moment. So do you do you think that the price is is that he showed up and he wouldn't have sex with the witch, so he just gets fed to the wolves? Is that is it a binary with this witch? Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if if you know if he hadn't thrown her into the fire, he would have ended up right he next would- to Subatai. <laughs> so, so he would have paid the toll, but it wouldn't have mattered. He just yeah. would have been. Wolf feet anyway. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I don't have an answer to your question because it's, it is not clear. She does give him the information he needs, though, so maybe she was genuinely trying to help Conan. But she's definitely not trying to help Sobatai. No. He's there for wolf food or whatever it is. Yes. Yeah, but he frees Sobatai, and they have a good laugh about him being food for wolves. He's like, give me some food so I can at least die fighting the wolves. And he's just like, ha, 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 that's funny. He just laughs at him. Yeah, they do become friends pretty quickly. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, it doesn't make sense in that Conan has no friends, and here's someone who he's freeing him, and he owes him basically. So it's like, you know, it, I can understand why they become friends pretty quickly. Yeah. They share they share uh, a conversation over food about whose god is better. Which, like, I like I like the way all this plays out. Like, your god lives in the earth, and my god lives in the sky, and so your god my lives god's in- better. It sees <laughs> everything. <laughs> your god lives below my god, and then Conan kind of has a look like, hmm, maybe you're right. Oh, I think he's got me. Yeah, but again, the riddle of steel comes up here. So the movie's trying to set up, which it's it's all very vague. Like I'm not really sure how important it is. I mean, it's important, obviously important to these characters, but the whole idea of like when I die, Karam will ask me the riddle of steel, and if I don't have an answer, he'll cast me out of Valhalla. And um, you know, so in this religion, in his in his like beliefs, by the time he dies, he needs to solve the riddle of steel. So that, that much we know. Yep. And so uh, Conan and Subatai begin their their journey, and they uh, start uh, start their world tour. Yeah, I like that they're running. They don't have horses; they're just running everywhere. Yeah, this movie has great traveling music. Every I, time someone's traveling from place to place, I love. I mean, it, uh, I mean, it goes back to the opening with the the score is just fantastic all around. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to dwell on it, but uh, this and then later when Conan's traveling to find. Uh, Thulsa Doom. Doom yeah. That's I think maybe my favorite piece of music in the whole movie. But is that the one with the the flowers? Yes. No. It's before he finds the the wizard. The wizard. Okay. Yeah. Before he finds Mako. Yeah. So when he Mako. Le- I see. I did it. There you go. There you go. So when he leaves, <laughs> this will be a count of who who calls him Mako more frequently. It was so when he leaves Valeria to go off on his own. Right. Yeah. I got. Yeah. You. That okay. music. I love that music. Uh, but anyway, yeah. They find this. They come to this town and they're just kind of like checking out the city and they're buying frog in a stick and. 
I think it was Lizard. Lizard on a stick. Oh, okay. But whatever. There, yeah, there was a deleted scene where uh, the, the purveyor of the Lizard was uh, John Milius. Yeah, yeah. He cut himself out of the movie. Yeah, he cut himself out. I saw the deleted scene. It's like, there's no reason for that to be in the movie. So I, I agree. Guess, I it was a good cut. But the next stop is where you learn about the uh, the towers, the, the snake tower. Yeah, and this is actually someone who worked in the movie, too. The Ron Cobb. I oh, only, I didn't know that. I recognize them, actually. And the only reason I, I know Ron Cobb and know what he looks like is because he worked on the first two Alien movies, I think. Okay. I think I don't think he did anything beyond that. But the Alien movies have great, like, making of features. Like, th- those Blu-rays are, like, warts and all. Like, all kinds of, like, dirt comes out on that stuff. And they they show everything. Wow. It's, they're great. Like, almost as good as the movies Movie. themselves. Wow. One of the best behind-the-scenes features I've ever seen on a Blu-ray. And so, like, Ron Cobb features pretty heavily. So, yeah, from Ron Cobb, you get uh, the... Up until a few years ago, Doom was just another snake cult. I, I like this idea yeah, yeah. that there are competing snake cults, and somehow he's built you know, the Scientology of snake cults. Yeah, it does explain a lot, though, because it takes a while for Conan to put two and two together. This snake cult is the Thulsa Doom snake cult. This is the one I'm looking for. It would have been funny if he just like was running through snake cults like, not this one. And it, There's a bunch of them. There's ones that he's just completely eviscerated and destroyed. Like, right. I don't, it's completely, the, the leader of that one is just upset about this mistaken identity. I'm, I, it, that's not me. Why did you come after me? You're looking for James Earl Jones. <laughs> but yeah, so this is where they, they, they decide they're going to, well, first they get like high, right? That's what I was going to say. So can, <laughs> my question to you is, can you trust what this guy just told you? Because he's just a drug dealer. Yeah, he is. Uh, but it's apparently pretty good stuff because it prompts uh, Conan to, to punch out. Uh, this is the only thing I remember from this movie. <laughs> was it a camel? Is that what it's he punched? It's a camel. And it goes down slow. <laughs> yeah, it really, I think because he. It's so funny. It is really funny. the camel. I mean, them acting like they're I mean, they're inebriated in some way. I don't know what the... Oh, what no, they're, they're high. I mean, they're as high as a kite. Yeah, but I think it's because he, like, he pulls a punch on a real camel. Yeah. I don't think he actually punched a camel. No. Like, probably he, like, threw a punch and someone on the other end, like, pulled the rein so it looked like it jerked away. Yeah. And then they cut to, I think, a puppet. Yeah. And I think that's the part where it's just like... It goes down like an at-at in Empire Strikes Back. It's it's because not that long ago we did Jingle All the Way where he punches a reindeer. I just, that's true. The juxtaposition of these two movies of him punching animals. What else is there? There must be more than that. Like we should uh, keep track of animals punched by Arnold. I don't think there's any other ones. I'll, no, I'll bet there's some. I bet we're, we're forgetting something. So what I like is that... He, he conks two dogs head together in True Lies. That's true. <laughs> Does that count? In the op- yeah. It's not a punch, but it's close. No, you're right. And when they're running at him in the very opening sequence after the tango. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like he punches some other animal in that movie. I could be wrong. Anyway, we'll keep an eye out for it. Uh, so, yeah. So what I have is that whatever these drugs are that uh, it, it convinces you un, unprompted to just punch a camel and then call women sluts. Yeah, that was weird, too. It's like, ah, they're all sluts. <laughs> Man, he's an angry but who was he even talking about? I don't even know what all this means. Like they're just they just like walking through a town. I don't know. So I, then after this is when you what you were getting to is when they decide to rob the uh, the serpent tower. Here's my question to you: Are they still high when they make this decision? I think that they are. Uh, I think they're like coming coming down. I, I, yeah, I think when they make the decision, they're still high. But by the time they get to the tower, they're probably they probably sobered up. Okay. I mean, they have to climb up this rope. So yes. I mean, that's well, they didn't even bring a rope. That's why I think they <laughs> yeah. probably were still high. 
I think it's clear that uh, Valeria, who we meet here, like she's she, the brains of the operation. She's the more skilled. Uh, yes. I'm really the more skilled. Of everything. She's yes. like awesome. She's like the best. She's the most capable person in this movie by far. She is, and it. So uh, it's interesting that you know the fascism, you know, that you bring up on it. I what I didn't remember about this. This is actually one of the earliest examples I can think of. You get it a little bit maybe with Princess Leia, but this is like a legitimate, like really strong female lead character that. She yeah completely. She is not just put in there. She is holding her own and does some real damage. And it's not one where they put in a, a female villain so that they can have you know their fight. Valeria is just as capable and as probably is, is more capable than Conan and Subatai because she actually comes prepared. No, I, I I wouldn't be surprised. Again, I wish I'd done it. I wouldn't be surprised if she has more kills in this movie than Conan. She really it would be shop. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. And it's not like. Like her character is not, it's not like Red Sonia where she's just tough and that's it. Like she's, she's still allowed to be like feminine and she yep. has this love story with Conan and, you know, she, and, and I, again, I watched uh, Conan the Destroyer, which I know you've not seen, but that has Grace Jones in it. Oh. It's like that movie is like Grace Jones is the warrior and uh, Livy Diabo, she's like the princess feminine. It's like right. it's, you can't be both. That's basically what that movie is saying. Where it's like, here, like Valeria is both and she's awesome and it, it doesn't feel out of place. Like she's no. totally believable as a character. No, she is a great and, uh, character and it's funny comparing this with uh, Queen Gedrin who Sandal Bergman <laughs> yes, later also played. played. Um, it's amazing to see, it, it doesn't seem like the same person. No. that's. I mean, that's a testament to Sandal Bergman as an actress, although part of it is just she's so over the top in Red Sonia that, yeah. like, you know. It's it, hard to not look different because right. it's so over the top. It's so over the top, but right. she's great in this movie. I mean, it's I, a great I, character and she's giving a great performance. I agree. Yep. So they climb the wall Batman style. Uh, well, two of them climb it Batman style. Some of the time, he just goes up no rope as I remember. Oh, does he? I yeah, I that. think he goes up no rope and then Valeria and Conan use the rope. Well, I know she says, like, you go first. And Subatai goes first, but Conan's still pulling up the rear. It's like, ah, I'll, I'll come up with Yeah, she, she is definitely the smart one, because she's probably been casing the joint for a while, and she knows what's up there. And says, no, send, send these two jokers up there first. Let them get killed. So do you think she knows what's in there? Cause, uh, I think she's got an idea. That's why she sends them up first. She's after the, the Eye of the Serpent? Yeah, she's, she's a thief, so yeah. Yeah. I just wonder, because when they get in there, she sends them down for the ruby. And she kind of pokes around. She goes, I'll stay here. And she disguises herself as one of the snake cult. Well, I, I think the reason that she did that is because it was easier for her to blend in because so many of you know the oh, worshippers were women there. So I, that's why I think that that's true. she sent them. Because it is pretty trusting of her to to believe that she's going to send them down to steal the stuff and they're, they're not going to just take off and leave without her and then keep all the, the spoils. Yeah, because, I mean, but why did she even need to do that? She could have just gone down into the pit with them and... She doesn't really accomplish anything there. I mean, she does. It, it's a good thing she does that because when they're climbing out, she helps. Uh, yes. I like that moment when uh, when Not Sven uh, sees her. It's like, who are you? <laughs> you know, like, there's a really. It's he kind realizes of like, just a little bit too late. Yeah, a little too late. It's kind of a comical moment where he yeah. does like a double take. What? <laughs> but yeah, they go down in this pitch. She disguises herself as. Yeah, a she she blends it. So do do you count when she disguises herself? I'm assuming she she probably that's a kill. Off screen, Pro- probably. There's no way to know. All she right. could have just knocked her out. Or I guess uh, I didn't assume that. All right, that's fair. Um, I had a question mark by it, so I was going to get a ruling from you. I mean, I, I well, it's funny because later I made an assumption that's very similar, but because it was Conan, I'm like, he's killing that guy. I, <laughs> I don't know. If, I mean, maybe it, it's maybe this is my like 
no, hidden seems, sexism where I'm assuming that she's going to be nice. And here's the thing: is that I mean, she she seems like she's more of a ninja and a little more stealth. And if she could probably avoid where there's blood everywhere, especially because she needed that. That's a white, it's a, yeah, very white. Yeah, yeah. So I I think she's more stealth than ninja. You're probably right. She she probably just uh, subdued her and knocked her out. There's no way to know, but uh, maybe I should remove the one later when I assume that Conan killed somebody. No, off I would completely assume he is a barbarian. He's killing <laughs> yes. anything that he can. Yeah. I was also, uh, I, I, I thought about uh, tracking the number of times she says, do you want to live forever? But it actually wasn't as many Often. times as I thought. I didn't, I didn't remember. She only says it twice in this scene and then she never says it again. Oh, okay. But they, they do a good job setting it up so that later it, when it pays off. But yeah, there's a snake down there. There's a big snake down there, and here's uh, you. You don't want to get. You don't want to be sweating near snakes. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't wake up for a while anyway. Like he takes the thing, and they're like halfway out. But by the time, or no, it's because he stops. He sees the the the, the two snakes. His symbol. Yeah, he sees the sigil, which is why he stops. But the sweat is what starts the snake from waking up from its slumber. Right. It just takes it a long time. To, yes. I guess it's a cold-blooded animal. Yeah, it's kind of, it needs a, it needs a few minutes cleaning the crust out of its eyes. Yeah, Me, uh, that mechanical snake is actually a pretty good effect. Yeah, it was pretty good. There's there's no death rattle with that snake though. Uh, it's quiet because nobody hears anything yeah. up above. <laughs> it is very. It quiet. is as quiet as can be. Yeah, because they're up uh, doing a human sacrifice up there, and they're going to yes. throw throw a woman into the snake pit. Some, well, she what? goes she goes willingly. She jumps into That's the snake true. pit. That's true. It is willing. Willing but, and naked. Uh, yes. Well, no, not naked. Topless. Yeah. Well, you know, they're not. <laughs> it is the eighties. Yeah. Topless is as naked as anyone gets. In the, yes. And not a lot of uh, full uh, frontal nudity. No. In the eighties movies. But uh, no, my note is they're they're sacrificing a woman to a giant snake, much like the people against goodness and normalcy in Dragnet. <sighs> I forgot about same, that. Yes. It's the exact same ritual. I'm like, this is just this is where's Christopher Plummer? He should show up and. <laughs> In one of these robes. Does this mean that at some point on this episode you're going to play the Dragnet rap now? <laughs> Any excuse <laughs> to play the Dragnet? Remain silent. I, I was just thinking about Christopher Plummer in that scene. He like he's doing an incantation or something. It's just like white and clean as driven snow from Orange County. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you know Dragnet way too well. I've seen that movie so many times. You have no idea. So uh, they they take care of the snake. Um, it gets a couple of arrows, and then eventually Conan just hacks the head off. Well, when he's wrestling with it, 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 it turns from a mechanical snake into just a dummy snake. Because yeah. you can totally tell he's just like, and he's just he's moving, obviously just moving it around himself. Yeah, but yeah, he does kill the snake pretty brutally. And then uh, they, the uh, woman jumps down into the pit for her sacrifice. And what I want to know is, was she more upset that the snake was dead or that she was down there? My note is she's horrified to learn that she's not going to be eaten by a snake. Yes. I think but the snake is dead. Because, yeah, she's, I'm sure this was a great honor. Like, oh, I'm going to be sacrificed to the snake for Thulsa Doom. Like, I'm the one. This should be a negative one body count. Because <laughs> basically, like, by killing that snake, this woman does not die. They saved her. Um, but that it would be offset immediately by this guy that Valeria kills as they escape. Well, there's two of them that she kills. Uh, I think it's the same guy. Mm-mm. I think it's one guy with a bow and arrow, and then there's a, a different guy that she takes out. I think she takes out two and pull who, it up. Who gets killed by a bow and arrow? Not by. There's one guy that's about to use the bow and arrow to try and kill Conan and sabotage. She takes care of him, but she takes care of another guy first. There, I think there are two guys there. Are you? I thought it was the same guy. I thought she like stabbed a guy and then she she stabs wraps a, the thing around his neck. No, she stabs a guy first, and then there's a guy going to draw the the bow and arrow and then she takes care of that guy too okay we're pulling it up now <laughs> that guy is funny looking yeah. 
He looks like a biker. Like, he does not look like he belongs in medieval. Here's where he does his, like, double take. Okay. See? See, it stabs this guy, but then this is the same guy. No. See? That's two different guys. Are you counting the guy over by... The guy with Not the... Sven? No. The guy with the bows, bow and arrow, is one, and then the guy she uses as a counterweight is two. You're going to have to edit this I don't out, think... We'll see. There's a guy with the bow and arrow. But does she kill this guy? Yeah. She stabs him there, and I then she, she stabs this guy. No, I think she kills both. That guy's gone. Yeah, he does kind of fall over that in a way. That guy's gone. So that's two. Okay, so... I add, think Valeria got two there. We'll, we'll add one at the end, then. All right. Remind me. It's a good thing I'm paying attention on these body counts. But believe me, I, I need the backup. It uh, takes two people. It takes two to make a thing go right. So, yeah, she, uh, Valeria then uses the counterweight, goes up, and then uh, she's the leader, too. She decides we're going to jump off the top of this thing into a very shallow pool. I'm not sure about that decision. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is a very shallow pool. They sur- somehow survive. Yeah, I, I think there's a reason why they don't show them landing, because... Uh, there's no way they would land and survive. Well, they're not going to do the stunt, too. <laughs> it's like, there's no way. I like how she laughs on her way down. Like, oh, I miss that. She's very swashbuckling. I like. She goes that. like ah, ha, ha, ha. she's like, she's having a lot of fun uh, robbing this uh, this tower. And then uh, so they're after they've successfully survived. They got the uh, the eye of the serpent as well as a bunch of uh, other jewels, and they're dividing it up. And Conan Conan's quite smitten. <laughs> His seduction technique is hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. From this point forward, he never says anything to Valeria, and this is you know what the point. The where timeless they, like, art of seduction. He she is like. Reaching for the jewels or whatever, and he he rubs the ruby or the eye of the serpent on right. her hand or whatever, and then he pulls her close, and then there's like a t- at least a ten second shot of him just staring at her he's stone trying, face. He's trying to use the doom hypnotism. <laughs> maybe, maybe he's just and it just doesn't work. Yeah, um, it's so funny. It just it hangs on him. Like he's not even really like it, he his face his expression does not change at at all. He's just staring 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 and then cut to them in like a yurt or something and they're yeah they're they're uh getting down to it i i like the yurt too because now this is kind of pulling up uh, a a nordic feel even though they're in what feels like a different part of the world yeah and i I think maybe i think that because king osric i think is supposed to be very nordic oh yeah i think so um yeah i'm not sure again we got we could look at the map or not we could just say who cares but yeah yeah i think that we're probably right that uh they're, I mean, it's, it's a mixture. Like it's all mixing together. So yeah, so they're very smitten with one another. What I want to know is, well, this is all going on. What is Subatai doing? What is he wasting his money on? Oh, I think he's uh, got. He's finding some girl. I mean, every time they they show them having fun in this, is you this assume he's hall, doing the same thing. He's always got some girl hanging yeah. on his arm. So I'm sure. Yeah, he's he's off. He's in the next year. It's over. You know, <laughs> when they're done, they're pounding on the wall. Keep it down in there. <laughs> Pipe down in there. <laughs> um, yeah, this this sex scene I think is kind of funny because I feel like movies don't have sex scenes like this anymore. No, like it's either always it's like either entirely left to your imagination or it's like monsters ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's no middle ground anymore. This this kind of a thing doesn't exist anymore. That's true. Yeah. Or it's like it's topless and you're seeing seeing it, a but bit. it's very like you know dissolved to this shot and dissolved. It's right. all like romantic, but also like kind of sleazy you know um but yeah it's okay there's no dialogue for most of it and uh so then you get the kind of the descent that they're they're just blowing money and just wasting it on all kinds of random garbage no they're i'll tell you what the random garbage is because i have a (laughs) list of the garbage that they're spending their money on (laughs) they're spending their money on drinks certainly okay 
making necklaces. They're, well, they're spending their time making necklaces. Uh, they're throwing chickens around. Oh, I didn't get that one. How did you miss that? He, I, he, uh, some, someone off screen throws a chicken at Arnold. I'm going to say Arnold because I think this is all like unscripted. Yeah. Suddenly a, a chicken ends up in Arnold's lap and he goes, ha ha, and throws it at Sandal Bergman. And she reacts like she did not expect to have a chicken flying at her head. <laughs> That's funny. She's like, wow, whoa, a chicken. I was not paying attention to um, that. So they're throwing chickens around. They're, they're being tailored for chain mail. He's got like a tailor next to him. So yes, I didn't notice that. Uh, he, they're kicking servants. And they're trying on badly sized hats. I got the hats that's and the chain mail. That's what they're doing with their time until it uh, is quite a bender that they have gone on, and he winds up just passed out, yeah. face down. That's a funny shot. Like it would have been funny if this and uh, you know Mako comes in, and then he drowned in his gruel. <laughs> the end. Right. No, and I and I do recall from the commentary that Dino De Laurentiis, uh, that John Milius said that he hated this. He hated that Conan was not. Regal and you know was 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 basically <laughs> acting like a scoundrel, not able to handle his money. But I'm like, no, that makes complete sense. He had never had anything before. Yeah, of course he would go on a bender to end all benders. Yeah, and you want to see him having fun, you know? Right. Like it can't all be a like, you know a dark revenge no. story where it all it's all about his dead parents. Like, yeah, let him have some fun. I agree. It, it's it's a fun sequence. And then uh, Max von Sydow's men come in. And, yes, he he gets arrested. He's drawn too much attention. They've drawn too much attention to themselves. Yeah, I love Max von Sydow. Oh, he's it's so good. He's in this movie. I, I I'm not sure why. You know, <laughs> he chose to do this movie, but I'm glad he did. He loves doing this, though. He's always like showing up in a small part in like a big blockbuster thing. I've got a list here because he's in this. He's in Conan the Barbarian. He's Ming the Merciless and Flash Gordon. He's in a Star Wars movie now. Yes, he is. He's in Game of Thrones. He was in Ghostbusters Two. Vigo. <laughs> he's in Dune. He was Robin Hood's father in the Russell Crowe one, and he's sort of in James Bond. He's in the knockoff Never Say Never Again oh, yeah. James Bond. He Wait. loves being in these big like like blockbuster you know franchise movies in a small part. He's also in one of I, I know mine and I think one of your favorite uh, sci-fi action adventure Minority Report. Mm. He is. It, well, that's I, not really it, a franchise. That's why I didn't put it down. But yeah, you, and it's also a bigger role because it, it, it's a pretty important role in that movie. It's yeah, he's not, he's really good in that movie. Yeah, he is. He's good. In, he's good in everything. And he, he's I, honestly he's he's the best. I mean, he he, he is for what he does. He, yeah. He, if you can get like when I saw Game of Thrones, I didn't I didn't know any. I didn't know who he was going to be. It's like I, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, it he's going to be awesome. Right. And, and when you really think about it. Is there anybody better for the three ride Raven than Max Fonsado? No, it makes I. It's perfect. It is per. I mean, they cast somebody else like the previous season, then they recast, and it's like, you know, I feel bad for the guy who lost his job. But if you can get Max Fonsado, <laughs> you kick that guy to the curb. Yeah, you absolutely do. Uh, it's funny because he he started off in Sweden. Is, is that where uh, yeah. uh, Ingmar Bergman is from? Yes, he was Ingmar Bergman's guy. He's in the Seventh, seventh Seal, Seal, right? With, Bob Strawberries. He's in all those. Like, well, you know, he he started his career in very like artsy, classy movies. Absolutely. And he's in The Exorcist, which obviously like propelled him to stardom. But for some reason, he parlayed that into the career he's had since. All the stuff I listed in the seventies and eighties, probably starting with Flash Gordon. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting that he he doesn't seem to really care about like legitimacy. He's just like, I'm gonna have fun. I'll be in Star Wars, sure. Like, I'll you know, have a two minute part in Star Wars. It's like you could have. You know, you're one of the greatest actors alive. You should be on Broadway. He's like, nope, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be in this hut in Star Wars. He's having kill me in the first five minutes of the movie. So let me let me ask. He's you, having fun in this movie for sure. Yeah, let, let me ask you this: Would you replace, if you could, 
Ian McKellen in The Lord of the Rings if you could have gotten Max, Max wants to know. Was he considered for... No, I'm, yeah. just, oh. I'm just curious. And the reason I make the connection is it's the seventh seal because Ian McKellen is death in oh, right. Last yeah. Action Hero. <laughs> I didn't make so that connection. That, You're right. That's the reason I do is that because <laughs> the seventh seal is, is in Last Action Hero. I just am curious. If you could have, would you? Because Ian McKellen <laughs> is fantastic. Yeah. But, and it's also because when we're going to get to the wizard in a minute, I can't hear the word wizard without thinking of Ian McKellen from Extras <laughs> yeah. ever again. Yeah. Wizard, you shall not pass. Sorry. I just imagine how Max von Sydow would have done that. Uh, Gandalf. You, you shall not pass. Uh, I can't imagine. I don't think it would be that much different. He's not as bombastic as Ian McKellen. I think it would have been, well, I, well, I should correct myself because Ming the Merciless is pretty bombastic now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, but he's that's like an evil character. It's tough. I can't imagine what he would do with that part. Oh. I think I'd probably go with you know. They made I, the right choice. I love Max von, Max von Sydow, but that may not be the best fit. Well, I, I do love his line here. Lions ate him. He's <laughs> it's so awesome. He's having he's having a lot he's of fun. having so much fun. I mean, he's playing a pretty dour character, but he's yeah. still like he's giving a performance that is pretty fun. Absolutely, I, I'm convinced he's doing a John Huston impression. I don't know how familiar you are with John Huston. No, not the very. Actor slash director. He's, you know, I know the name, but I'm not familiar with so, him. So okay, I I he he was uh, you've seen Chinatown, right? He, yeah. He's the bad guy in Chinatown. Okay. The yeah. future, Mister Gitz. Yeah. Future. Okay. That's John Huston, and I was watching this movie going, "Is he doing a John Huston impression?" I looked up uh, Max von Sydow's filmography. Immediately prior to this, he did Escape to Freedom or Escape from Freedom, the soccer movie with Pele and I haven't Sylvester seen Stallone. I haven't either. If we move on to Sylvester Stallone, we'll have to watch it. Oh my! Uh, but he, he did, but he did that immediately prior to this, directed by John Huston. Someone like I am now. I'm certain he's doing a John Huston impression. <laughs> it just seeped into him, and he couldn't get John Huston. John, out. He, he has a very particular way of talking, and he's just uh, uh, what's his name for, in uh, There Will Be Blood. Oh, uh, um, Daniel Day Lewis was accused of just doing a John Huston impression. You know, like he has a very John Huston has Not, a very similar cadence to the way Daniel I, Day Lewis talks. So here's the thing: is that I I can't I couldn't picture the John Huston or um, the cadence, but there will be blood. Now I completely get it. Yeah, it's pretty similar. The way yeah. he and Max von Sydow doesn't actually talk like this. Like this is right. You know, he, it's I'm uh, anyway. I'm convinced. Well, King Osric is is kind of past his prime, and he does give some. Even though he's having fun, like you said, he gives. Some good advice. Uh, I don't know if it's advice, but I, I, he kind of... About the gold losing his luster? Yeah, it loses his luster that the throne room... Be, I, I think that if Conan is to you know become something down the road, I think that this is valuable information for Conan. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no question that the movie is making parallels between Osric and Conan. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Mako in the in the, uh, the narration straight out compares him. He's like, he was once a powerful Northman like my lord. Like He just straight up compares them to each right. other. So yeah, I think this is. There's an indication that this is what the future holds for Conan for sure. Yeah, the, his throne room become a prison. I mean, let's just jump to the end. You, you get the shot of him as an older man with like the beard and all that, and he's just there alone, like on his own. Like, it, it does have a very kind of imprisoned feel to it. Yeah. So. So the uh, Ozark is presenting them with uh, with a deal. Uh, yeah, he, he needs his daughter lost, back. Lost his daughter to Thulsa Doom. Yeah, we're running long. I wanted to play this scene, but I just the, the way he describes this whole thing, just, you know, uh, she you know, what, what does he say? Something about like she looks to him to replenish her soul, as if I could not offer that to her. You yeah, know, and, he's fan- 
just chewing it up. He he is, but it's somehow not over the top. No, he's giving. A, I mean, this is the only scene, and he's yeah. making the most of it. He kind of steals the movie. Yeah, he does <laughs> a he's, little bit. No doubt about it. But I mean, just the way he performs this whole thing, I think is just perfect. Yeah. So uh, after this, they so he pays them in advance, which. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I know he's got a lot of money to throw around, but I'm not sure that that's a good idea. Yeah, it's lost his bluster. What does he care? Yeah, but the point is, is that they're thieves. So if you just paid them, how do you know that they're going to actually do the job? Well, Valeria suggests, like, let's just make a run right, for that's it. That's what I'm saying. So I mean, you're, you're right that he should be concerned about it, but she she truly is the smart one because she says just take the money and run. I wonder. I think it's part of it is you know Osric understands Conan. He sees himself in Conan, and he knows that Could be. this is a man who's honorable or something. You know, like yeah. I'll bet he just he he's counting on he's, Conan to be the betting, one. Yeah, that Conan will follow through. Yeah. Well, it, they have this discussion, and Valeria is like I said uh, against the idea, and she says the tower that he lives in is said to be impregnable. It's like quite the opposite. <laughs> like we learn later, it's very easy to break on <laughs> into Tulsa Doom's tower. Um, just going through the back door. Uh, yeah, I mean, it really is. Just, uh, we were saying earlier that in, in Red Sonia, that this world, they hadn't invented guards, and I think this movie is consistent with that. <laughs> they still haven't invented guards. So, <laughs> well, this would have been before Red Sonia, so they had not... Well, chronologically, I don't think it's clear. It could be anything, but I guess. there's no way to know. But <laughs> either way, uh, but yeah, he, she, he, he says nothing to her because nope. he never says anything to her. And he just, uh, he bails. He leaves the uh, Eye of the Serpent to uh, indicate that He's bailing, but he still has feelings for her, but he's gone. Yeah. He's uh, on his journey. Yeah. This is, this is where that traveling music is. I love it so much. Um, it has kind of like a Lawrence of Arabia yep. feel to it. I, and really great like landscape photography. This is when the movie's at its best, when it's just letting the photography and the music kind of carry it along. Um, it's funny because John Milius is like, you know, his reputation is for writing these big like monologues and very like, you know, uh, dialogue driven. But, but the stuff that works the best is a lot of time there's yeah. no dialogue. I mean, a lot of this movie has no dialogue, and that's when it is it's the best. Like it's really, really good. So it, yeah, as is he's traveling, he uh, he meets some of the children of the of Doom that tell him. Oh, you mean the hippies? Yes, I just have hippies be damned is what my uh, is what my note says. Yeah, this is very John Milius. Yeah. I do like, uh, this is one of my favorite lines from Mako, or like, they told my master to throw his weapon down and, <laughs> and, and return to the earth. Ha! Yeah, the way he I do like that laugh. Time enough for the earth in the grave. So it's a good line. I here, like it. Here's my question to you is, uh, and maybe the audience at Punt's podcast on Twitter, what were those children doing? Just walking the earth with yeah, flowers? I so. Well, I thought probably on their pilgrimage to the, the mountain, right? Yeah, but isn't isn't there some kind of gathering going on? Or all the there is, but aren't they going doom? the wrong way? Uh, are they? I mean, they point him in the direction. They tell him where to go. Oh, all right. Maybe they're like going from town to town, gathering up everybody, being like, "Hey, it's time to go to the Tulsa Doom Mountain," and uh, you know, <laughs> Skeletor's Mountain. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh wow! Now that I think about it, <laughs> there's a lot of He-Man. I mean, I know I had read the accusation that because there weren't any toys for Conan, that that really, I think, it, I think that's a. Masters of the Universe Mattel? I think it, uh, yeah, I think so. I think it will. I think it was a smaller company that then got bought by Mattel. But, I mean, look, Prince Adam kind of looks like Conan. I mean, I can see it where there's why people would assume that. Yeah, the timing is works out pretty well. Yeah, but I, I don't think the timing works out perfectly. So e- either way, all I could think of when you eventually get there was where Skeletor 
Or maybe Skeletor takes it over after Thulsa Doom, you know, it burns, but he, he's able to put the fire out just in time to take it over. Doesn't Skeletor's castle have a, like, shaped like a skull or whatever? Like, yeah. I'm sure that would be tough to do in a, in a live action yeah, movie. It's, it's, uh, uh, well, it's a yeah, Castle Grey Skull, and then, yeah, his, I can't remember what Skeletor's the name of his was. What did, uh, Frank Langella's castle oh. look like in, in that movie? Did he have a skull shaped castle? I think so. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. Yeah, me too. I, the only time, I only watch one clip. I go back to a, a particular clip from that movie once a year. It's when that dumb like like creature, the little dwarf guy, yeah. encounters the cow. Oh <laughs> it's yeah! The only part I want to see from that movie, they come to Earth and he's just like moo, <laughs> moo. Uh, for some reason, that makes me laugh. That movie's terrible. Uh, yes, it is. But maybe at some point we'll watch it on this podcast uh, if we <laughs> oh, if we yeah. continue on with Dolph. That's a reason to not go for go for Dolph. Uh, yes, it is. So uh, this is where we finally now are not going to have the narration only. We get the wizard. Yes, he's he's got his hut and his like henge, his, yeah. like Stonehenge area here. Yes, they he, become you, friends very quickly. Conan makes friends very quickly with a lot of people. Yeah, he's a charming guy. Apparently so. <laughs> they, I mean, they, they when always, he's not a warrior killing people, he's a charming guy. The the thing like the way he makes friends is. Like, he always just, like, makes fun of the person he's just met a little bit and then just shares a laugh with them about it. You know what I mean? Like, when he met Subatai, he's just like, oh, you, you know, you'll be sh- food for the wolves. <laughs> and they share a laugh. And now they're friends. Here's here some food. We're friends. <laughs> right. And here it's like, oh, you can summon wizards. <laughs> and then Mako laughs. Nah, he, he thinks it's funny. And now they're friends. Apparently. I mean, he's a chronicler. Of course, uh... You know, we know that they're going to be friends eventually. Let's just get on with it. It does. It does move it through quickly, which is good. And then, so Conan ultimately he he picks some flowers and he's he's going to go become a hippie himself. Yeah, which I, turns out to be a pretty bad. Uh, it's a bad strategy. plan. Yes. Um, I, Here's the one thing I do want to highlight on this, though, is that I, what I do really appreciate and enjoy watching this is knowing that these sets and these extras, all of this is real. This is not. You know, 2010 or something, where you're just going to CGI all this stuff. Stuff is real, and I I really appreciate seeing that. Uh, most of it is real. There are some cartoon demons. Okay, yeah. the demon. <laughs> what I'm saying is that, like this scene now, where he's going. That- yeah, yeah. The only problem with this like set, it does not look very impressive from a distance because the mountain is really big and look, it's a giant set. But it only fills like a fifth of the mountain because it's a mountain. So how yeah. could it fill? The, I mean, I I don't know what they could have done to fix to get that the scale. Some kind of like foreground miniature or something. Because there are when they go to those cities we were, earlier when they climb the tower, like the snake tower, those are all miniatures yeah. and they look great. Like they look completely believable. I don't know. There should have been like structures around that tower, like the, the stairs. I was calling them the rocky steps. That's because I'm such a Rocky uh, fan. Uh, like, uh, you know, uh, like Rocky would climb those steps. <laughs> All of a sudden, Stallone's pushing Schwarzenegger out of the way. I got to get training. Get out of my way. <laughs> um, but yeah, there should have been some structures like around. Some, like, also, like, just a couple other structures in the mountain would have helped it a lot. It just it feels like it was just plopped down there. I, it I, feels like a movie set. Like It was just only been there for a couple of weeks. You know yeah, what I mean? I, you're right, because it doesn't feel... That it's been there for ages or something like yeah. that. You're right. It does feel like a movie set. But up close, it looks amazing. Yeah. Just from afar, it looks... I just that's think fair. It looks, and this it, is where you see it from afar probably the most, is right here in this scene. Right. And that's my only problem with it. Once you get close to it, it, look, it does look great. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Conan's trying to trying to blend in, and, and <laughs> this 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 scene, I don't... It made me laugh. It probably shouldn't, but you're so big and so strong. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> so here's yeah, I don't so you had a different DVD from me. 
when I when I was watching, it was perfect because I was getting these ads, you know, for Ride Along Two, and the other one that I got was Spotlight. I'm like, oh, this is perfect to have Spotlight, and then this priest trying. You've grown so big and so strong. <laughs> and then what I, yeah. I I do really I really really enjoy is. Oh, uh, could, could we go? Could we talk over there? Yeah, I mean, this guy had to know that he was toast. I mean, Arnold catches on pretty quick. He's, he formulates his plan right away. He's like, okay, here's my here's my in. He's, he 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 uses himself as like a honeypot to get this it guy's is, it's rope. It's the honeypot trick. So here's my question: Is this guy dead or is he just knocked out? Uh, I did not count him as dead. Again, there's no way to know. Uh, okay, it's t- there are a lot of like off-screen attacks, unfortunately, which is tough, but. Um, with one exception, I did make one exception where I counted one, so maybe I, we should offset the one we added and subtract that one. We'll get, when we get there, we'll talk about it. Uh, I mean, Conan takes care of this priest just with one, yeah. two two hits, and that guy's done. Well, that guy's not a combatant. He's not, you know, he's, he's not a fighter. Not. Yeah, it's all he owns is his robe. It's all you ever need. And then, what he says? Uh, yeah, that's all you say. So, yeah, that's what I said. He takes care of him with two strikes and then zings him. And then... <laughs> Conan trying to blend in as a priest is just great. He is... <laughs> I don't know if it was bad acting or good acting, but it's great. No, I think this is intentionally comical. Like, yeah, he's like... They're like... Because he's like a high priest, right? He's, yes. he's dressed as a high priest. Everyone's like bowing to him. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's, yes, and he's terrible. He's really bad. I mean, I think it's one of the things that I think is kind of funny and I think intentional is that Conan the Barbarian, his strength is his strength. Right. And to, not to be too like, redu- stealth. redundant about it, but right. Like blending in and being like. He's like John Matrix. There is no stealth. This is not how Conan the Barbarian should be solving problems is by like <laughs> blending in. He's not a ninja. He's the g- most giant man in the world. <laughs> blending in? What's he thinking? Brute yeah. strength is what you should be using. Yeah. I mean, this, he's a miserable failure at this whole plan. I mean, I, I, what, well, what then is he's, this he's using this, you know, the sigil as like a VIP pass. He just has no. He, well, that's what gets him caught. <laughs> I, it's, it's, that, that moment is kind of funny to me because, like, yeah, he's well, he's trying to get clo- as close as possible, which right. I think is really his mistake. Like, everyone just kind of goes and sits down wherever they can get, and he's pushing forward, like, "Excuse me, I could, I want a better seat." Like, he's really, yes. yeah, he's Conan. He takes what he wants, so he's acting like Conan. He's like, "I want a better look at uh, Thals of Doom." So he's that. So yeah, so then he goes past that guard, who is not. Asking, he's not stopping him. No, he could have just walked by. He's like, I have this thing, this jade, whatever he has. And the guard makes a like. He reacts like, Why are you showing Something me this? Something's wrong here, right? I had my note was it's like if you were at a rock concert and just randomly you were showing the security guards like the CD like album cover of the band. It's like, see, I belong here. This is the album cover for <laughs> the band. Good analogy. Like, what? What do I care? No, the guard does react like, what? Why are you showing me this? And then he just keeps it. <laughs> so He keeps it, and then that, uh, that's when they say, all right, we got to close in on this guy. Well, also, there's the moment where he's, on, he's working his way up, and he stops at the pool, and the woman's – he looks into the pool. <laughs> what do you see? Uh, infinity? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> the original – what I had is the original infinity pool. I had the exact same note. <laughs> well done. Uh, no, him bluffing it. So, uh, infinity. Like he's very good at knowing what's best in life. But what do you see in this pool? He's, he's got nothing. I mean, he was right. She does let him pass. So uh, yeah, Doom gives a quick speech, and then uh, the, the the security guards have have closed in. Yeah, Sven and not Sven are there. Yeah, uh, you know it's a big gathering. Like the, they've left their towers or whatever to come to. You know the main tower. It seems like Thalsa Doom is putting whatever his long-term plan is into motion. Like later, you kind of he talks about how like they're going to cleanse the earth. Like you get the sense that he's preparing to like send them off and like murder everybody who's yes. not in the snake cult. 
The, uh, well, the, the biggest and most successful snake cult. That's true. Well, but the other snake cults would be the first ones on the block. Uh, that I mean, would be the, my guess. You know, he attacks them first. They're a threat. Um, but yeah, they capture going in here. Uh, I do like how... Like, the first time I watched it, I didn't really notice that that guard was like signaling for yeah. Sven and, and, and other guy. So like the first time, because the, the princess comes out and she's like barely clothed. And, and cut to uh, Sven and the other guy. And what they're actually pointing at is Conan saying, oh, that guy doesn't belong here. But you thought, but it looks like they're going, like, check her out. <laughs> it's like, hey, that's the boss's wife. <laughs> it's the boss's wife and Osric's daughter. Maybe we shouldn't be pointing. Yeah, but they're actually, the, yeah, they go and they capture Conan. So they capture him, and then you cut to them I, I, torturing him, but it's not that graphic. But yeah. I, I just, the smile, Sven looks like he's really enjoying stepping on Arnold's hand. But he's not really stepping on his hand. No, it's very but, clearly not. Yes, but <laughs> some I'm, space there. Yes, but well, it, he looks like he's really enjoying and having a good time. Well, I, I thought the opposite because it's like he's obviously he's he's leaving a lot of space, meaning like he doesn't want to damage his meal ticket. Like Arnold, if he oh. damages Arnold, he can't actually step on his hand. <laughs> you know, I guess that's true. It's going to ruin his meal ticket. I do want to point out uh, uh, just to back up a little bit. Uh, Osric's daughter, her name is Valerie Quen- uh, Quenison. I think she's. She doesn't have a lot of dialogue, but I just think she's really, like, she's giving a good performance in that. Like, when she comes out and she looks like she's been hypnotized and yeah. she has this really intense look on her face. And then later, like, she goes through a real transformation, like, with almost no, no dialogue. I just, I noticed her and I was like, oh, she's she's really good. I looked her up, actually, and it's, unfortunately, she she died very young. She oh. was in a car accident at, like, 32 or something. Oh, wow. So, uh, but anyway, I just wanted to bring her up because... Yeah, no, and I, she, I was very impressed. And she does have a you know kind of an interesting look and looks a lot different than Valeria as well. And so I, I, she doesn't, as you said, she doesn't really say all that much. But I think I think she does a good job with what she's got. Yeah, but this is the first time we see her, and just again, she's just very intense. Yep. Like when she watches Arnold being or Conan being dragged away, she's just she's she's all in on Thulsa Doom. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, they throw Conan in a fountain. Throw him in a fountain, and you. Um, after a beating, that's when uh, Doom wishes that I wish to speak to him. Yeah. Uh, I noticed the uh, false of Doom got changed in between his big speech and now. Yeah, this is like casual false. Yeah, of Doom. He, he like put on a robe. He's yeah. like on a bathrobe. I, mean, I guess he's a, a wizard or whatever, so it makes yeah. sense he's a robe. But it's like you know, he, yeah, he's got to he's got to get dressed before he comes and talks to Conan. Yeah, and he, I don't know if it's an interrogation, but uh, you know, Conan says that he killed his family, and this is where you do get that. that oh, it must have been in my younger years. Yeah, yeah. It reminded me of Street Fighter, the, the movie with Raul Julia. Yeah. You know that line? His last last performance, sadly. It, yeah, but you know the line I'm, t- I'm talking about. No. I think it's Chun Li. He killed Chun Li's parents or something, yeah. and she goes like. You killed my parents. He's like, I don't remember. For you, uh, M. Bison coming to our village was the most important day of your life. For me, it was a Tuesday. <laughs> it's the best line in that movie. That is a pretty good. I can see Raul Julius saying it as well. Yeah, but this is a similar idea. Where he kind of he, you get the sense that Tulsa Doom does not remember. No, his he, parents. At all. He's, he's got a lot of bodies on his hands. So, uh, and this is where Doom tries to teach him that his uh, his philosophy is wrong. That steel is is not. Not the answer. Yes. Flesh is stronger than steel. And that, yeah. This is his solution to the riddle of steel, which I, I was speculating. Again, I, I'm so curious about what the other two Milius Conan sequels would have been like, but I, my suspicion is that every movie would have had like an alternate possible solution to the riddle of steel. Like this is what he feels like the answer is. is right. Flesh is stronger than steel. It's it the, wields the steel. It's the strength of the wielder, like the will of the wielder right. that gives the steel strength. And he... 
Ah, he sacrifices yet another young lady by, oh, come to me. Yes, come, my child. She just throws, throws herself off. Yep, this is number 34, writing one. Uh, I, I, our third suicide, I think, now? Yeah. So, just, I don't know why I'm... Uh, there's so many, like, killings in these movies, the, the rare suicide. So, yep, 34, and then uh, he tells him to contemplate... He sentences him to the tree of woe. The tree of woe. Um, there's definitely like a, a very consistent naming convention in this world. You've got the tree of woe. You've got the riddle of steel. You've got the wheel of pain. They're very literal. You've got the eye of the serpent. And then uh, Thulsa Doom lives in the mountain of power. Yeah, it's a very literal world. <laughs> I like it. Well, at least they're, they're somewhat descriptive. It's not like Red Sonja where it was just the talisman. You know, the killing machine. The talisman! <laughs> what have you done, Gedrin? The talisman! I mean, yeah, at least it's the talisman of something. Like, if it was in this world, they would put, in a, put some kind of a descriptor on it. So, yeah. So, two straight movies of Arnold being crucified. Ooh, I didn't, I didn't think of that. That's a good catch. Yeah. He actually gets nails in his arms this time. At the end of days, he just gets, like, tied to a yeah. fire escape. <laughs> and he comes down pretty quick. It seems like he's up there for a while. He's up there for a long while, and uh, the buzzards are circling. Well, more than circling, they're uh, being beaten alive by Conan. Like, he turns the tables on this vulture. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it, that, it is great. And that, that's, I mean, that like sums up Conan there too, right? That even at his last moment, he's he's not going out like a punk. Yeah, no, definitely. It's it's a great moment. I think they said it came from like one one of those like, stories. Or, or it may have just been a painting. Like, that's the thing is there are a lot of like, you know, Conan the Barbarian illustrations in the seventies when he was like a big comic book character. I think it was like, you know, an image that they saw in like a comic book or something. Did you see the story in the, uh, in the commentary or did you hear the story about this was a real dead vulture? That he's no, fighting? I did not. Which I mean, I, I, I was listening to it, but I didn't have that in my notes. It's disgusting. Maybe it wasn't in the commentary. Maybe it wasn't the like making of thing, but it's so disgusting. They, well, actually, I, wherever it was, Arnold's comment about like we used this dead vulture that died mysteriously. Really? Because <laughs> you can't kill an animal, but they obviously oh. did. That <laughs> <laughs> died mysteriously. But they had to wash Arnold's mouth out with disinfectant after every take because he was going to get like diphtheria or something like. Oh man, it's so gross! Like, why would you? You can't. I, I mean, I guess it's cost effective. It's cheaper than making a fake vulture. But man, why would you do that? But, but yeah, the vulture died mysteriously. It really made me laugh. Whatever that. <laughs> I think it was in the comment there. So uh, this is not on the body count, but uh, Conan one buzzard zero. Yes, here's here you go. He doesn't punch the buzzard, but you know Arnold <laughs> he, versus you know animals. We're going to try, animals, try animals to lose. Yes, that's for sure. They always lose. But uh, Subatai comes comes to the rescue. Yeah, which Conan finds hilarious. Finds it hilarious. Well, I just took it that he's laughing because it's either ironic that he's on his last legs or that he's having a, a hallucination and it's a mirage. Yeah, I think he thinks it's a mirage. Right. It's just, you know, but the last thing he's going to see is Subatai. <laughs> just like prancing. The movie's making it pretty clear this is real. Yeah. Like I, I maybe would have liked a little bit of a more ambiguous note of just like, oh, is that a mirage? Like maybe he disappears for a moment, but he's just like, you know, he went down in a valley. A, a yeah. valley, yeah. yeah, valley. So they uh, they they cut him down from the tree of woe, and uh, they want the wizard to actually earn his keep. Yeah, and then he says there's a heavy price to pay, and Valeria is willing to pay it. I don't know why she pays the price, but. I'm not sure, and just, is there really a price to pay? Because they just do some, you know, some tattoo pen work on him, and then just swing a knife at him. There's no price to pay. They swing a knife at him? Well, they have to fight away the demons, right? Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. She swings the knife at the demons. 
Those demons seem like they're very easily defeated. I don't know what the wizard is so afraid of. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't like these demons. No. It's the one thing about this movie. I think it's my least favorite thing. They should have just left it without, just, just have him being pulled up, up into down. the sky, like, yeah. you know, and they're holding him down. Like, this, these, these cartoon demons don't work for me at all. I mean, at the time, they probably, it probably was, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's, it hasn't held up well, but I, I would guess probably in 1982 it probably looked a lot better than it looks to us. Mm, I mean, uh, Empire Strikes Back was out. Raiders of the Lost Ark was out. Right. The, the, think about the ghosts in the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. I know you're not a big Indiana Jones fan. Yeah. But no, you're right. Those you're look right. awesome, and these look like a cartoon. It looks like I mean, it looks like like leftover animation from like heavy metal or something. The you're movie right. heavy metal. No, no, you're you're right. It, I, I don't like it. I, it it's, the, it's the only. Really, really terrible effect. Well, well, let's say this: Mako runs at the first sign of any trouble. Yeah, he he is just gone. For all his like talk about like, oh, I, you know, he summons demons. Like, you know, he's not friends with demons at all. No, he's not. Yeah, I, that is funny. Uh, I, I do like this weird outfit they got. They, they got him like a, like a medieval hoodie. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> whatever it, it is. Because maybe it was on the commentary that I heard that it basically it was that if stuff was exposed, then they were more likely to be able to take like that part. Right, and That's so why like, they draw the things? Yeah, to, to, and so they covered up everything they could, and then drew on on the rest. Well, my, my note is he looks like Mike Myers and Sprockets. Oh, I missed the, this is the point in Sprockets <laughs> right. where we dance. You're right. <laughs> um, yeah, but they, they they fight the demons off fairly easily. I, I don't know why this. The, I don't. I, I think it's probably just a personal thing where I don't like it in. I mean, I tend to not like fantasy stories in general, but it's, in particular, I don't like magic in stories. So, like, every time there was, like, a magical thing or, like, you know, demons or the witch earlier, it's like, why couldn't they just had to be more, you know, he's near death and they're trying to bring him back, you know, rouse him back to life using, yeah. you know, medieval methods. Medicine which, or something. Right? Which could have been very arcane and just, like, you put this these stones on him, but it's like, it's not proof, it's not actual demons showing up. It right. could, you know, just superstition, basically. Yeah, I... I don't disagree with you, and I, I don't... So, it, so what what does summoning these demons, what, what does it do? Why is he now back? Yeah, I didn't even think about the logic of it, but you're right. Well, I mean, it's magic, so there isn't a lot of logic to it, but... <laughs> but no, but they, they, you're right, they deliberately summon, summon these demons. Then what do the demons do? They just try and take body parts. I'm not sure how that makes them any better. Right, how does this help him survive? I don't know. If they had done nothing, would the same, would he have still been okay? <laughs> Good question. Yeah, you're right. I didn't think about that. Like, I, I mean, I just kind of took it as, oh, this is a thing that has to happen. Yeah, but no, you're right. Either way, <laughs> they he, caused it to happen. He pops back up, and he, um, he's kind of. I do like this sequence where he's, you know, wielding the sword again, and he's kind of not sure who he is. But then, pretty quickly, I mean, they move through, and and he's. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great moment where he's on the beach. Right. Yeah, it's kind of an iconic sequence where he's training a lot of people love to turn that stuff into gifs or gifs if you prefer on the internet okay uh, I, I did not know that but i've seen plenty of of gifs i'm just gonna say gifs it's a mako mako gif gif <laughs> um they put like glow sticks in arnold's hand they like photoshop glow sticks oh. and they put like music and he's just <laughs> he's spinning this stuff that's awesome there's a lot of like variants of that on the internet so i need to find one of those that the, would be fun the internet loves this scene that's for sure uh, or at least did like 10 years ago <laughs> when glow sticks would have been big. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. Um, yep. But, uh, they're going to go back to the mountain of power. 
Yeah, and this is the uh, this is where you learn that there's oh no, don't worry about it. There's just a back door that you can sneak in. Right. That's why I said even though you're impregnable. <laughs> oh yeah, there's just caves back here. Um, I do like this uh, concept though that th- this is sort of like the gearing up scene where they're putting the camouflage on. I kind of like that. It got me a little John Matrix. I was ready ready for them to go in on a killing spree. Yeah, there's a couple of like gearing up ish sequences. Yeah. I like the the later one better. Yeah, the, the later one is better. But I like this because I think the camouflage kind of works too. That in certain certain angles, when you're watching them actually move through, they do kind of blend in a little bit. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be camouflage or if it was just war paint. But I think you're right. No, like, I think it was supposed to be camo. Yeah, I think that's what the point was. Yeah, yeah. But they very easily sneak into this place. <laughs> it's not even a, a, a challenge in the slightest. No, they don't even have to kill anybody. They just no. walk in. But what I like though is that Conan seems to be he he's on he's in rampage mode. Subatai and Valeria, they just want to sneak in, get the princess, and get out. You can tell he's having nothing to do with it. He is in oh, rampage yeah. mode. Well, they, they say, like, they, they, they voice their concerns. Like, we can't have someone who's out for revenge. Like, we have a mission to do. We're not there to kill Thulsa Doom. And he says nothing. He doesn't. <laughs> you can just tell from the look, yeah, I'm not listening to any of this. I'm ready to go on a rampage. Yeah, honestly, if I were them, I would be like, you stay back, Conan. Yes, we'll do this. Yeah. Because I think you're right. They would have done a better... Like, they probably could have gotten in and out without killing anybody if not for Conan. Although, I think Subatai is the first... Does get the first kill. So I think he, he does, does start the violence. He starts it, but it's... Uh, as I remember, it's stealth. Right, that's true. Yeah, so, I mean... but He, he kills a guy sneakily. Conan does not. Conan... <laughs> Conan doesn't at all. He's not goes interested get, in stealth. Goes and gets... Uh, was it the hand soup? I think it's the hand soup guy. Uh, that's my note somewhere. I, I think Subatai might kill that guy. But I know... I do remember what you're saying. Like, Subatai kills a guy sneakily. Yeah. And uh, Conan just goes, oh, it's time to kill. Like, he's, you know, this, I mean, that's what, that, it was Subatai's fault for drawing blood. It's like, you know, blood in the water for a shark. Yeah. Like, as soon as Conan saw somebody get killed. Swarm. It's like, he's oh, just going to swarm. It's time for me to shine. I'm, I'm Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> I do like, so when they, they're sneaking in, you get a little bit, you learn a little bit more. This is like the main temple. So you learn that really it's just, they're eating. They're, the, they're, they're eating the hippies, right? Yeah, they're eating the hippies, <laughs> which... We'll leave the phone. I, they're, they're, Milius is showing his stripes there a little well, bit. Well, but I, I think. think I think it is. I, well, even handed is maybe the wrong word to choose. But you know, the he yeah. This movie is very critical of of those hippies. They're very clearly hippies. Yeah. Um, but it's also you know sympathetic in that they're being eaten, like they're being manipulated and eaten by Thulsa of Doom. So, you know, to a certain degree, it, it, it's more like pity. It's like, oh, these poor saps. Yeah, these, these the stu- lemmings. Yeah, these stupid uh, hippies. They don't know, they, they're so dumb. You know, so, yes, it's being very critical of it, but it's also somewhat sympathetic. Like, Thalsa Doom is the evil one for manipulating these right. people, these poor people who have good intentions but are foolish. That's basically what's happening. So, <laughs> so I do they're, – they're still in stealth mode. They're sneaking up. I like it that they walk in and find out that, you know, there's basically like a giant orgy going on. And it's the tamest orgy ever, though. It's, it is, it's like it is a PG orgy if there is such a thing. It's just nap time. <laughs> well, they're all high. <laughs> I mean, maybe. No, that's what I, I did take. That I think they're all high because I think the princess is just high out of her mind. Yeah, it could be. I just assumed it was because she was like hypnotized. No, or hip, I, hypnotized. Well, I think that they're all high. I just like when Conan when they peek over and see it. Arnold's eyes just kind of like light up, <laughs> yeah. like he's never seen anything like. This. I mean, all of them do. Subatai even says, "Like, what is Whoa. that?" This is paradise. Or yes. 
Even though they're clearly eating human remains. <laughs> and soup. And can I just say, too, that even without knowing there was human remains, that broth is the most disgusting liquid I think look, I've seen in any movie. Yeah, it does look really gross. It's terrible. I mean, it is like 10,000 BC or whatever it's supposed to be, so maybe it's just like all food is gross. <laughs> but yeah, no. you definitely see them eating like chicken and like real food. So yeah, who would eat this gross green goop? They would have to be high, basically. It actually kind of looks like the Nickelodeon slime a little bit. You're right. You can't do that on television. <laughs> Someone said, I don't know, and suddenly you've got a meal. You get, you've got the hand soup being dumped on them. <laughs> oh, you think that's what a Nickelodeon, that was the secret, is the think, slime was made of people? That's what I think it is. Here's my question is, what is Doom doing right now? He's just like overseeing and watching this and turning into a snake. What was the point of him sitting in this th- in the on the throne watching this, as you said, the tamest orgy ever? <laughs> He's lording over his domain, you know? This is what... These, you know, powerful people do. They sit in their throne and they they exert their power until turning into snakes, yes. Yes, yeah, so he, he... Into a snake. He turns into a snake while Valeria and Subatai are setting the place on fire. Uh, well, before, because... This is another thing where it's like, why does Thulsa Doom have to turn into a snake? There's no reason for it. But I think the actual reason is they just want, didn't want him around for this action sequence. It's like, how do we get him out of the room so that yeah, but, Conan and him don't have the competition too soon? It's true, but it still doesn't make sense. Why does he turn into a snake and why does he leave? Is it like, oh, the orgy is winding down, I'm just <laughs> going to go rest? Yeah, maybe it was. Maybe that's why it's the PG part of the orgy. Everyone's just kind of like, yeah, it's winding down. It's like, okay. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to turn into a snake well, now. He's got those like custom holes that are obviously just built for him. So nobody can fit in there but him as a snake. <laughs> It's like when it's time for bed, yeah, you hit, yeah, I turn into a snake. And <laughs> I go, I go up my own tunnel. What do you think about the effects here? I think for the most part they work, but yeah. um, I think it was fine. The only one, the, the thing that makes me laugh is when they cut to like the puppet when he's fully a snake, yeah. and it looks at the camera. It's almost like he's just like, yeah, I'm a snake. You didn't expect that, huh? <laughs> You're right. The eyes, it does. <laughs> it looks right at the camera. It does. I, I was expecting I like it to yep, say, "I'm a snake." <laughs> didn't see that, did you? Uh, yeah, he's, he's like, I think it's just to get him out of the room. Cause, you know, then they, they basically kill everyone but the princess. Yes, it goes on her. And you're right. Subatai is the, I do have in my notes here. He's the guy who gets that poor soup ladle guy. Yeah, Subatai kills him. Oh, then Valeria's next, I have. Yeah, she gets two. She gets two. She cuts off one guy's head. Yep. Uh, and then Conan starts. So yeah, maybe, maybe we were being unfair to Conan. Maybe Conan gets two, and then I got Subatai getting two, and then Conan racks up four. He, he really starts going on a rampage. Yeah, he, he's, Chopping guys who are just li- they're just in the orgy just lying there. He's just killing guys like they're just like oh they're just like groggily getting up and he's just cutting them right back down. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He has four there. Um, there's one guy he misses completely. Wild, like like it it's not even remotely look like he hit him and then his no. stomach bursts open. Anytime something like that happens, a wizard did it. <laughs> yeah, and then hits a guy in the shoulder. Uh, so for 45 now. And Valeria grabs the princess. And then Conan decides to dump the soup. <laughs> yeah. I like this moment. It's, I mean, it's part of it is the music. It goes to his, like, main theme. Um, but, yeah, him, like, dumping the soup and then throwing the, he throws a whole cauldron down the steps. Yes. Uh, you, and you, the angle, you can't see it, but it would be Arnold's face if you could see his face. You just you can't because of the angle. Yeah, I, I'm definitely. We did miss Arnold's face when he got dragged away earlier. Really? When, I when missed Sven it. and not Sven grab him on the steps. Oh, I missed it. Yeah, he definitely has a smart old face there. Um, and this is where Subatai and Valeria, they're like, we're out of here, and they bail. They take off. Yeah, but Conan stays behind to deal with Sven and his buddy. Yes. Who, again, has the greatest like, the greatest tactical mind in, uh, in Tulsa Doom's army, apparently. He just shows up, and he goes, 
Like, first he just goes, get them! He doesn't do anything. And then uh, Conan pours out the gruel, and then not Sven's counter move is to move his axe from his right hand to his left hand. <laughs> I missed that. That's all. He's not doing anything. So Subatai kills the guy on the way out. That's number 46. And then the guy goes, you. <laughs> and then still does nothing. No, he's so- been in the room for a minute. All he's done is... Tr- <laughs> said get them he, sh- he shifted his axe and he said you and yeah Sven winds up doing the heavy w- w- lifting here yeah well they get in a fight with the three of them but yeah Sven does all the work the guy I think I think what happens he gets flipped over his head he gets flipped over Conan's head yep and then he Sven tr- swings, the ha- swings the hammer Sven, Sven swings the hammer he hits a, a marble pillar yep and knocks a piece off the marble pillar knocking the guy in the head and knocking him out yep the, the other not Sven the, not, the, the, the boss Accomplished nothing He's in this the number battle. two in this organization. How is he above Sven in this and, org chart? And how is Thulsa Doom so successful having this guy as his number two? Yeah, he's incompetent. He allowed the, the, the thing to be stolen. Like, it's interesting that Thulsa Doom is not like a Darth Vader esque character where it's like he kills people for failure. He's been, he's failed upwards. But anyway, yeah, Sven and other guy survive. They just kind of get knocked around. Yeah, and uh, some damage to the to the to the throne room for sure. Yeah, I like. There's a shot of Sven like they're running away, and Sven doesn't chase them because I think he's just so concerned about like, oh no, I knocked over this this column. Thulsa's gonna be real mad. I've, I've done a lot of damage to this room, and I have nothing to show for it. I'm in trouble. I was just imagining him like hurriedly like cleaning it up before Thulsa comes back. He <laughs> can't know like, I knocked down this pillar. He's got like glue. He's trying <laughs> to use like crazy glue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like the Goonies or whatever. This fa- to put the pillar back together. His favorite column that yeah. he's destroyed. Uh, but yeah, the Team Coco, they're on the way out. Mm. Did you happen to note that uh, I've got that in my notes, maybe, I, ho- I hope it's right, that Sven kind of looks at his hammer and shrugs as well. <laughs> Does he shrug? Yeah. He definitely has a weird moment. I, I interpreted it as, like, he's concerned that he's going to be in trouble. That's what I meant with the shrug. He's like, oh, man. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, maybe. It didn't work. I don't remember exactly the gesture he did, but I remember being kind of strange. And so then, you know, from this... Yeah, James Earl Jones is is going to show back up, but Valeria she goes on a rampage yeah. on her way out the door. She's wrecking shop. I don't know how she ended up behind everybody because no. Conan stayed behind and had a big fight, and somehow catches up and is ahead of her. Yeah, because she's now like she's been like isolated. First is a guy who like is like up on a cliff or whatever. He jumps down. Foolish move, my friend. She sees see him coming a mile away and just what a what an imbecile this guy. Yes. Um, and yeah, four more on the way out. <laughs> she's like toying with the, those guys too. Yeah. She knows that no, I am just going to. Just destroy you. There is a moment she's like tapping her sword yes. in her hand. It's like, look who it is. Like yeah. as if she recognized him or something. But I'm not sure what that moment is about. But yeah, she really like and, and easily hands, handles all these people. Like he, she's five, a five spot she takes care of on her way out the door. Yeah, so we're at 51 total right now. Uh, but what we do learn is while she is a wrecking crew, she is not immune to snake arrows. Yeah. Well, before we get to the snake arrow, there is a scene where they kind of lick their wounds in the throne room where Tulsa comes back. Yeah. And I thought found it really funny because Thulsa's like making threats and Sven is just standing right alongside him just nodding. <laughs> oh, I missed the nodding. Well here's here's what it is. So what you're saying is he's like trying to get promoted? I mean, I think so. He's a, he is a yes man for for sure. Because yeah, Thulsa Doom, he goes, Infidel defilers, they shall all drown in lakes of blood. And then Sven just there like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. Lakes of blood. And, you know, it's just, it made me laugh. Sven just nodding there. Uh, he doesn't get the doesn't get any dialogues. So he's trying. He's doing what he he's, can. He's working with what they uh, they allowed him to do. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, yeah. So Thulsa Doom, he he does get the last laugh. I like this snake arrow too. I think this is a pretty cool idea. <laughs> okay, well, I can't agree with that. Really? I don't. I think it's a little silly. Oh, whatever. I think it's fun. It's more magic stuff. It's just you know, it's. 
I, I think I would have preferred it if she died, you know, doing some noble thing, like, you know, s- sacrifices herself for the princess, you know, because they're there to rescue her or something. She just gets shot with an arrow. I don't know. It's just, I don't, it doesn't seem very satisfying to me. No. The way she gets killed. I, I don't know. I like this, this idea of he, he's got the most successful snake cult because he's the only one that can turn snakes into arrows. Yeah. All the others are just complete fakes. He can actually turn snakes into weapons. Well, he does like talk to the snake or he's a seek. Like, yeah. is the snake actually like, like leaning, like trying to like <laughs> aim itself? I like that. <laughs> it's like a heat seeking that it's trying to go and. Yeah. I mean, but this is a real snake, right? It's a oh, living yeah. snake that, no. like... Yeah, because when Conan pulls it out later, yeah, in, yeah. in, like, a second, it absolutely is. And I kind of like that effect, too. Because that snake looks like it's straight and taut, and then... Right. I mean, it makes sense. He's got, like, this power over snakes. He can right. make it taut enough to be an arrow. Um, I've convinced you. I think you like it. Uh, I, yeah. I just, I'm just not crazy about the sorcery stuff. I can understand that, but it's part of the movie. It's fine. I do like that Valeria gets a Viking funeral. I love the pyre. Full, like, with full on, like, get up, like, a whole Viking outfit. She's got, like, this breastplate. It's like, where was this before? She looks awesome in this outfit. It's like, she looks like a real, like, like, like a Valkyrie. Yeah. And I think that's what he was going for, too, is I think that was in the commentary. He was going for a Valkyrie later on. She looks really cool. It's like, why didn't she wear this? Well, I think that was when they were spending all that money. They they had all this stuff that they just never bothered wearing. That was one of the things that she bought on that bender. Uh, Maybe. Or maybe they they were trying to sneak in. They didn't want to, like, be clattering around in their armor or something. Maybe that could be. So uh, we do get established that uh, Conan won't cry, so Subatai does it for him. (laughs) Subatai does it for him either because Conan won't cry or Arnold can't cry. I think it could go either way. <laughs> it's hard to say. If this and, was, maybe this was not in the script until they tried to have Arnold cry and couldn't. Like, oh no, we're gonna have uh, Subatai handle this. I, yeah, I shouldn't be. Like, you know, Arnold's good in this movie. I don't think it's fair that he was nominated for a Razzie. Like, he's fine. So I don't. I, think I, I shouldn't either. be critical. But this is where uh, I don't know if you remember, but I was saying how it was like that wheel of pain charm. I think he got from the gift shop. He rips that off. Now he puts on the eye of the serpent. Yeah. By the way, that that. Like, gem is way too big to wear around. Even Arnold, it's just like... It looks ridiculous. It looks ridiculous. Like, I know they had to make it be a big, uh, like, you know, worthwhile for to steal it, you know? It had to be a really big gem or whatever. I wondered if that was supposed to be, like, a setup for the sequel also. Cause, that could be. That's an interesting idea. Because Thulsa Doom does talk about how, like, you know, he wants the Eye of the Serpent back and then it never really comes up again. No. As if maybe it has like magical powers or something. Like, maybe, I, I just, yeah, maybe that's where it's really being derived from or something. Maybe that's part of his grand plan and he needs it. Yeah, I don't think it comes up in the sequel. I could be wrong, though. I wasn't paying that close attention when I watched it recently. Uh, so, yeah, she dies at the funeral. This, this is a, like the weird thing about like fires don't burn there and then he burns, he, he lights the funeral pyre. It's like, okay, well. I don't know why that that was a thing, but I, I guess just, I took it because there there was so much wind up there. That's why I I thought it was supposed to be that. Oh, that's not a magical thing. It's just yeah. No, they I, happened to have a day when it was easier to have a fire or something. Yeah. Uh, yep. So anyway, this is the moment where like Conan's just kind of sitting and mourning Valeria, He's mourning and kind of thinking. Yeah. And meanwhile, the princess is mocking him and saying, "Yeah, she's just yelling." It. The, the, the few lines she gets, she has it when she's just chained up over there. Yeah, I kind of like that because part of me was thinking like he's just sitting there and she's going like he's going to come for me and he'll kill you and then cut to him like preparing defenses like part of me was going like maybe he was just like oh shit she's right <laughs> you know <laughs> I better I better get ready yeah. <laughs> it's like I didn't think of that <laughs> this guy <laughs> might be coming looking for her we better get ready for him to show up yes 
But this is this is the sequence. Oh, this yeah. scaring up sequence is great. Yeah, it, it reminded me a little bit of Predator too, of you know setting the rudimentary traps. Very much. I mean, I know this came before Predator, but that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> They're not that rudimentary. That like Rube Goldberg like uh, <laughs> contraption he builds. That's pretty complex. Like I was watching that going like, don't you could spend your time better than like building this elaborate. I meant the other to one. Kill but, one guy. Yes, <laughs> but but it was to get Sven, so it was worth it. Oh, it was definitely worth it. It was a good thing he did it, but uh, it's just funny. Like, it, it stands out. Yeah. It's like, this is the thing that doesn't feel like it belongs in the sequence, but whatever. It's like something that Kevin McAllister would do. It's got like paint cans tied to strings. It's going to come down and hit Sven, <laughs> you know? We know that you're in. I can, That's what I'd like to see, James Earl Jones. We know you're in there. I can't do Let me. We, oh, I can't do James Earl Jones. <laughs> no, keep trying. I, I, want, I want you to keep going until you get it right. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> We know you're in there. You're all alone. I can't do James That's Earl good Jones. Enough. I'm just. I, I would have to like try to imitate Darth Vader. Come on to tear the ship apart until you found those plans. I, neither of us have a deep enough voice to do yeah, it. Yeah, we can't do it. Bring me the passengers. I want them alive. I'm just quoting Star Wars now. I could just. <laughs> you can just. Do I could keep script. going if I want. So they uh, they do set up and they are they are ready. And if the uh, the gods are not going to help them, then stay, stay out do, of the way. I do like that. Yeah, it, it, it's a good line for sure. Uh, it's interesting that the whole, like, this wizard, uh, is helping them, but Conan doesn't count him, and he's like, there's a sequence, I kind of want to play the sequence, but maybe we shouldn't, but, uh, you know, when, when, uh, he's saying, all oh, that matters is two stood against many, it's like, aren't there three of you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> what about the, the wizard? No, the wizard doesn't count, because the first sight of those specters, he was hightailing it. There's no way he thinks he's going to do anything in this battle scene. Conan's just counting on him running yes, away. So. He's just counting on him bailing as soon as any danger shows up. All that matters is that two stood against many and one ran away. <laughs> yeah, and that doesn't have the same ring to it. No, it doesn't, yeah. Or, no, you know what, maybe Conan did say that, but because, because Mako's the one who was telling the story, he cut, he edited that part out. He oh, doesn't right, yeah. say anything of the quote from Conan who says, and one ran away. That would have been great if, like, once Mako enters the story, it's just like, and Mako, the amazing hero. Yes, he found all of these weapons, and he single-handedly, they were not from corpses. He killed those warriors himself for their armor. Yeah, it's absolutely not that. Like, you know, Mako is not being kind to himself. No, like, he's, he's, not, being he's being honest about his own uh, his contributions. Uh, but anyway, the build-up to this battle, I love it so much. I think it's better than the battle. I, I mean, it definitely is. I mean, that, that's kind of how to make a good battle sequence. You need that build-up. You know, a battle's only as good as the like the tension that gets built up beforehand. And I don't think it's ever been done better than this sequence. So good, the music. Yep. And like the, the whole sequence of shots, it starts with Subatai, like seeing them on the ridge way far away. I, I, I do like that, that oh, shot so where good. you can see the, the horses and both are in focus. I think it's great. Yeah, it's like a really long lens or something. I'm not sure exactly how he did it, but it's a it's a cool sh- it's a whole it's a cool sequence of shots. The shots of the the riders coming towards them, the camera's right with them, and just like you know, it's like there's a lot of energy to this, and the music's swelling. I love the moment where like Conan is perfectly like arranging his axes. It's just like I'll need these later. I want this <laughs> right here. <laughs> He's kind of like making like minute adjustments. Like yes. here, no, here, no, no. Oh, <laughs> yep, this is where I'm going to get him right in the back. Yeah. And then uh, and it goes into his prayer, and we kind of talked about it a little bit. This whole build-up is so good. This movie's highs are so high. Yep, agreed. And um, Thulsa Doom, here is where you really see that however he has ascended to be the top snake cult, he clearly has not surrounded himself with good people because <laughs> these guys just get mowed down. The, the 
Yeah, Conan killing these first three guys is so funny. I don't think <laughs> it's supposed to be terrible. Fun. It's like he's in a batting cage and the balls just keep coming and he's just bonk. And the next guy comes bonk. Next guy comes bonk. <laughs> I like that analogy. That he is literally just taking batting practice. I mean, when the first guy gets knocked down, wouldn't you think the second guy goes, like, oh, let me court. Yeah, let me slow up or something. Do something different, but nope. Three in a row, the exact same thing. He's just standing up on a rock, taking them out as they come by. I like batting practice. I mean, it's almost like a clothesline. He could have just put his arm out and, like, you know, they're so they're Give so him dumb. the hacksaw, Jim Duggan. <laughs> Basically. Um, so, yeah, that's, those three are 55 we're up to now. Yep. This is a pretty high body count in this one. Yeah, there's, there's a lot in this sequence. He runs up and he axes a guy who then seems to get trampled by his horse, which is like, ooh, that, that didn't look like it was intentional. But nope. I hope that guy was okay. Uh, Subatai takes out two guys with a spear. And then uh, Conan collides with the guy and loses his axe. And I, it doesn't seem like that guy is dead, but I don't see him come back. So I don't know. I, count, I counted him. Yeah, he's, maybe he died when he fell off his horse. It's, it's kind of a chaotic sequence, so it's tough to get a good count here. So he's 59. Uh, oh, this is where... Conan, uh, he chops a guy with an axe, and the guy's still alive. He throws the axe at him. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great moment. That's 60. Subatai is doing some work. Uh, two more guys. 62. And then this is where they start luring them into the into the Stonehenge uh, area. The maze or whatever, yeah. Because one guy gets lured. Like, Conan lures a guy in, and Subatai kind of comes off on the side and gets him. And then they do the exact same thing in reverse. It's like, these guys aren't learning any lessons from I, That's what I said. He surrounded himself with the worst management ever. Nobody's paying attention to what's Sven, happening around Sven him. is the only one who has really ever accomplished anything of the guys he surrounded himself with. Yeah, but he gets taken out in the dumbest way. He's the dumbest of them all. There's a helmet. I better hit it. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't think I we're there had, yet. But. I, we're not there, but I love that Sven is done in by whack-a-mole. <laughs> yeah, he is, it is whack-a-mole. Uh, yeah, but uh, where are we? Well, then the, they cut the Thulsa Doom, who looks awesome, by the way. He does. The, he looks like a... But he's I, not doing anything. Oh, no, I think he's kind of a coward. Like, we're seeing that he's not... He doesn't leave from the front. Nope. Um, but just he's got, like, this flowing red and black cape and this, like, awesome helmet. Like, he looks... He looks scary. He's, he's scary and dressed the part, but he he's clearly he is all hat no cattle. No, that's for sure. It, it's you know I think it's all he's he's projecting his power, but yeah. he's not a fighter. He he looks like a uh, Super Nintendo era Final Fantasy boss is what I wrote down. That is an that's a good analogy. Um, but yeah, Subatai t- kills a couple guys with arrows who are climbing up the hill to try to grab the princess, and they plow through a bunch of those bamboo poles. Yep, uh, and then two more die in the tiger trap. Um, I love how he's so excited he just throws his bow at him. They, they go in the title track, yeah. he's got his bow, he's just like, yeah! Yes. <laughs> just throws his bow. Uh, which is kind of funny. Maybe he's out of arrows, so it didn't matter. Yeah, well, I think it was. He's like, man, I spent a lot of time digging that tiger trap. I'm glad it paid off. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and I think this is where you can then that the wizard finally chips in here. Uh, and I th- well, I th- well, first I have Conan's playing hide and Sven, because they're kind of playing cat and mouse. And- <laughs> Um, but yes, I think next the next body is... Uh, Subatai gets one, and then the wizard gets yeah, one. Yeah, the wizard gets one, and then he's kind of like horrified that he killed a man. He's just like, yeah. I did that with my spear. He like, he like doesn't know how to like handle it. He's so used to running at the first sign of trouble. <laughs> yeah, but that's his one kill. I think it's the only time he only, gets a kill. Yes. So that his, uh, which one was that? So that's 71. And then Sven. And then, yeah, here comes poor stupid Sven. <laughs> with the whack-a-mole. Um, also somewhat of a suicide, but it's just, it's just dumb. He's not intentionally. No, it's not suicide. No, he's not doing it intentionally. No. He's just stupid. And we get Sven's one line of dialogue, which is, 
At least his voice got on the track. <laughs> I like that you count that as dialogue. Do you want to know how I wrote that phonetically? Yes. A U U U U G G dash O O U U U G H H exclamation point. I like it. That's what he said. So this uh, Doom Doom rides off. He he realizes once Sven is done, he I'm like I gotta get out of here. <laughs> yeah, not Sven still in the fight. Like he, you know, it's it's still t- two against two. Get in the fight, <laughs> even it up. No, uh, you know. <laughs> but I like that he has so little confidence in his number two. He realizes that Sven is done. Oh, they yeah. are done. I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't either. We've proven that this guy does not deserve to be in his number two. This guy does take a lot of cuts though before he goes down. Yeah, this is a pretty like there's a lot of graphic. Yeah, a lot of blood. Uh, Spill on here, um, but before that happens, this is where Valeria comes back and saves the day. Yes, gets and, the old, the old Mister Fuji trick of like throwing sand in somebody's <laughs> face. She she just blinds the guy. I had the exact same. Oh one. god, did you really? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't name check Mister Fuji, but yes, I said, this is like the manager of a professional wrestler throwing salt in his opponent's <laughs> eyes while the ref isn't looking. That is exactly what my notes. So, do you think that without Valeria's little move there, do you think that Conan might not have won? I mean, Conan was kind of on the ropes, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> actually, wasn't. But as I was saying it, I realized. It's perfect. Uh, um, but no, he was. I, I don't understand how he was losing, because he's Conan the Barbarian, and this guy, we can't remember his name. And he's he not done sent. anything well. Yeah. I, I, somehow he ended up getting the upper hand. So, yeah, I think it's implied that Valeria had to come protect him and blind him momentarily. And then, yes, and then he, he gets him. Does he get him in the throat? He gets him in the gut? He gets him in a bunch of spots. Yeah, he gets like three spots, definitely. like the worst. He gets the worst of it, this guy. But also, he breaks his father's sword. Yes. Which, by the way, I didn't even realize that guy was using his father's sword. Until. Oh, you didn't? No, that, that I did catch. Where do they establish that? Because even the second time through, I was like, oh, right. I, I meant to look out for that, and I forgot. So uh, I, I just took it because they made a big deal when... Um, I, when Conan said that you killed my, you know, my family, I, I took it as that either there's a shot of the sword or something like that. I remember in there realizing that um, boss, the big boss man, had had his father's sword. Oh, you definitely know that they take the sword, and he does say, "Yeah, you took, you killed my parents, you took my father's sword." But I, I didn't realize that that guy had that sword until oh, here okay. where it breaks. Um, I mean, it, it's it's weird that it's not established. More Sooner. strongly. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I probably just missed it, but I don't know. I think the, the movie should have made more a bigger point of it. You know, I mean, he ends up killing Thulsa Doom with it, so yeah, it's an important part of the story. It's just kind of weird. It, it, feel, it felt like it came out of nowhere, but I think it's very likely I just missed it. And then, uh, so Doom is on his way out, and the princess wants to be rescued, and Doom has a different idea of rescuing her. Yeah. And, well, it's funny how she changes on time. She's like, "Don't leave! Don't leave!" Don't kill me! Don't kill me! It's <laughs> like, boy, she's not dumb. She realizes. Oh, wait a minute! This, yeah. this guy can't be trusted. No, but really, like this actress is so good. You can just see the 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 betrayal in her eyes. Like, yeah. I, I really think she's good. Um, but yeah, Subatai saves her. Saves the day. Throws a shield in the way and stops uh, the snake arrow. Yep. And then we get this this ending where she's involved in the ending, which again, uh, and this is what I had on the on my Blu-ray. Yeah, but I've never seen this ending. And I oh, think really? I. I, not that I can remember. I What's mean, the other ending? He just goes alone. She's, oh. not, she's not there. I mean, it's it's essentially the same. Mostly it's the same, but you don't get the part after, um, well, briefly, it's just, he, they, they sneak in, she helps him sneak past the guard. <laughs> I love that again, they just sneak and just walk right up. I mean, at you'd least, think at least he would have posted more security. It's already been breached. At least there are a couple of guys. So before there weren't even that. 
So this is this is seventy five. This is the one guy that I think dies off screen, but I can I can uh, no I, I would count that. it. Um, but, but anyway, you mean the guy that Conan sneaks up on? Well, one where you absolutely see him cut a guy's throat. Yeah, and then he like cuts him again for good measure, just like blah. No, but then the, there's another. There's guard another. Toast guy. There. Yeah, that guy's toast. Okay, I, I counted him. So yeah, he's seventy seventy five. But uh, yeah, in the original ending, the ending that I always saw, he just sneaks in on his own, kills Thelsa Doom with his father's sword, and then he's just sitting on the steps. He throws the fire, burns the place down. Basically, the end. Like that's it. I and could, the, all the stuff about. First of all, her helping him get in, and then all the stuff like by the pool where she like bows to him, and none of that was. This is the first time I've ever seen any of that stuff. Oh, okay. Um, I see. It's been so long. I don't remember whatever I saw. You know, the first and really probably only time that I can remember seeing Conan. I I don't remember. I, I see. I I like that she's there and she's trying to now have a new idol, and he's having you know nothing to do with it. Yeah, and that's that comes back to what I was saying earlier about I think this yeah. ending is a, an argument uh, against the whole th- thing of this is a fascist movie. Like she wants to replace Falsa Doom, who's seventy six by the way. Uh, you know she she's trying to worship Conan and saying you're my new you know leader, and he, he could very easily take this. You know he's a powerful guy; he could use his power to create his own cult and create his own right. You know, but he's not. He, he won't do it. He's, he 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 completely rejects her worship, and he like reaches out to her saying like join me. Like he, he's he's treating her as an equal. Yep. You know, without that, I think there is. You could argue that this is kind of a fascist movie. That he's you know genetically stronger. He's a, you know maybe not even genetically, but just like his power of will. Physically, and he's, yeah. he's the ubermensch and all that. Um, but no, he's he's saying even though he is strong and she is weak, he's saying that you are you know. Just because you're weak and I'm strong doesn't mean that I'm above you. And he treats her like an equal and yeah. he, he brings her back to her father. I mean, it's, I think the ending is, it's so much better with this ending. Yeah. Uh, and it's just fuller. Like it ends very abruptly, you know, the other way. Yeah. I can see why the, the original or alternate ending, whatever would seem more fascist. I do think that this is a lot better. It's great. It's a great ending. I mean, really, I was so surprised by it. There was just like, wow, that's so much better. It, and it just flows better. It and just has more of a, a, an epilogue and more of a, you know, it has time to kind of decompress. You know, and, we didn't get that before. And, you know, in a lot of the Arnold movies that, have, that we've done, the endings don't stick very well. This is actually a really good ending. It's a great ending. Yeah. And it it's only, I don't know when they did this, like, special edition or director's cut or whatever it's called. Um, I didn't even know it existed until I watched it this time. I was like, oh, a whole ending? And it's so much better, you know? I mean, I think that's maybe why... You know, my opinion of this movie has come up a Improved. lot. yeah. Because, you know, I think my – previously it was just kind of like my opinion of this movie is, oh, it has a lot of great sequences, but it doesn't really hold together. But I think the ending helps a lot to hold it together. Like thematically, like narratively, everything. It's just, you know, having Conan make that decision at the end to not be a figure of worship, It's it really ties everything together. It's it's really it great. It does. I think it's, it's more logical too because just based on – Con- what Conan has been, I don't. Why? Why would he be? Why wouldn't he reject that philosophy? You're right. The, the character that this movie has established would never do that, right? But you know, if he, some I know power, power ten, corrupts. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. But I guess what I'm saying is that I I completely buy this because I can see where he would reject that and say no, that's not the path I'm going to choose. Right. And it ties into the whole idea of what they were planning to do next, which is how, once you are powerful, how do you wield that power? What yeah. is the best way to apply this po- the power that he has? And this is kind of establishing that as he's choosing to use it. I mean, you could you could 
very overly simplify and say he's using it for good. You know, yeah. that's a very kind of simplistic way to look at it. But you know, just to, in general terms, that's basically what's happening. Is no. he's saying I'm not false of doom. I'm choosing I'm not, a different yeah, path. Yeah, yeah. That's great. It's a great movie. Yeah, Conan the Barbarian. And you get this, this little epilogue at the end with him, as we talked about a little bit. But I love that too. Uh, you see him as an old king. And yep. He's, he's posing, as I remember, right? Yeah, it was a little bit of a, a bodybuilder pose. But uh, um, the one thing I don't like in this new ending is they changed the ending, the last words of that narration. Or he used to say, uh, what is it? I've got it here somewhere. He used to say, uh, later he became king by his own hand. But that is another story. Whereas in the change one, he goes, and that story shall also be told. Oh. It's like, well, no, it's not. <laughs> we know it didn't get told. That's a, that's a huge bummer. Why did you change that? That's interesting. I didn't know that. I don't know why they changed that. I, I much I prefer that's another story. Because it's just open-ended, like, yeah. maybe we'll tell it, maybe we won't. And, you know. and they didn't. They didn't. That's the thing that's a bummer. And, you know, uh, we'll cover Conan the Destroyer next season. And I know you've never seen it, but it's not... It's very pale in comparison to Conan the Barbarian. It's it does not continue the story. It does not tell the story of that Mako promises. All right. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. It's still pretty fun, but it's this it's this is a genuinely great movie. I think. It's, well, it's definitely by far and away the best one we've done within this category of comic book, without a doubt. Because <laughs> yeah. Batman and Robin is atrocious, and Red Sonja is, I think, worse than Batman and Robin. It's so. a very low bar, but those other three movies, it's, yeah. it, you know, <laughs> none of those are really very good. Except so my for guess is Destroyer will still probably be better than those other two. Uh, yeah, I would say definitely say that, but yeah. I don't want to prejudice you in any way. You can make up your own mind. Understood. Uh, so yeah, Body Count of 76. 77, because we said we were going to add one. I'd add one. That oh, is you added. did? Okay. All right. I 76. Actually- Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we're really like at odds this episode i don't Ooh, know what's that, going that's on that's good that's good because most of the time we agree on everything um anyway pun, pun kind of zero unless yeah. you cut something i didn't no i don't think milius is really a punny kind of a writer i do know? not think so no um, i they, don't think there's very very many in apocalypse now yeah, that's for sure but say napalm in the morning is not really it's memorable without a doubt yeah there's no puns uh, in there that would have been great if you just filled apocalypse now with puns <laughs> I can't imagine what that would sound like. I, I was trying to think of a, a possibility, but I can't think of anything. Um, but anyway, so that's that's the episode. So uh, we're winding down our season. Yeah, so. and it's supposed to be my pick, but it really isn't because it's the end of the season. So it will be season three means Terminator 3. Yep, Terminator Rise 3, machines. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Rise of the Planet of the Apes, I like it. Um, yeah, uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Uh yeah I don't know I, it's I I probably haven't seen Terminator three and it's been a long time for me yeah at least five years maybe ten uh, I was gonna say I've probably saw it a couple years after it came out but that's probably it yeah well I, maybe it'll be well we'll see I, I I'm not looking forward to it neither am I but ter- the Terminator and Terminator two were both fantastic and we're I think I am I'm pretty sure you are looking forward to Genesis so yeah. one one dud that's okay. Yeah, I I know Terminator Three has its defenders. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be one of them, but we'll find out. There are some people who think it's, you know, not as good as Terminator Two, but like in the ballpark, it's like I I don't get it. No, but, that I can't see. I can't see me ever yeah. getting to that point. No, I think they're they're definitely those people exist. So All right. I don't well. think we're in that category. But uh, yeah, join us uh, when we discuss Terminator Three. Until then, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Bad Puns Podcast. Uh, I'm going to stop giving out the email because nobody ever emails us. 
<laughs> it's All a, right. It's you know we don't have an email segment. It's like the chicken and the egg. No one emails because we don't read emails, and we don't read emails because we don't get any emails. So it's, it's true. Just, it's a vicious cycle. But now, whatever. now what I hope is somebody sends one in just for spite. <laughs> I, I stopped checking it like two months ago. So oh. <laughs> if anyone sends it in. <laughs> Reach, uh, you know, yeah, if you want to reach out to us, find us on Twitter at Bad Bunts Podcast. Man, we really are a professional organization. <laughs> no one uses email anymore, especially if we're not going to have an email segment. Why would anyone send us an email? Everyone has Twitter. Just tweet at us. Um, anyway. I'm going to disagree with you that nobody uses email, but that's well, fine. for work, but no, no, no one's going to, you know. Fair work. enough. It's Fair a lot enough. easier just to use Twitter. Well, uh, we do think that you use podcast apps of choice, so please uh, write us a favorable review or like us on your podcast app of choice. And to end the show, I have uh, the business of the rule in a crisis situation. Uh, they're they're getting tough. We've got a lot of episodes here, but this one came to me. It's uh, you don't want to sweat by an opponent, especially if that opponent is a giant snake. If that gi- is a giant snake, but it also ties into one of the original ones. You know, with John Matrix, if you're going to be downwind from John Matrix again, you do not want to be sweating when you're in a crisis situation. Oh, so you're saying you don't want odiferous emanations? No. Oh, oh my. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> There's a reference I mean. for you. I mean, do you even know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> okay. No one will know what that's a reference to. I'll keep it a secret. <laughs> Are you trying to remember what it is? Yeah, but I'm. It's not going to come to me. <laughs> it's a ring a bell. No. <laughs> it's stupid. It's not even worth explaining. Just um, on just on the show. It's an old right guard commercial. <laughs> There's no way I was going to remember it's a right guard. Oh, wait a minute. Was it with, uh, not Howie Long, was it with... Uh, You're close. It's an NFL... Uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, Lyle Alzado. Is it Lyle Alzado? What? Well, there may have been one that I don't remember, but the ones I remember were uh, Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley. And Hulk Hogan. Uh, Both did a right guard commercial. One, right. one must uh, protect against odiferous emanations. They're just yeah, talking right. like... It's Charles Barkley. Yeah, they're just, they're just using preposterously flowery language to describe wow. <laughs> their, their body odor. Uh, <sighs> I don't even know why I did that, because now we're like stuck in this quagmire where it's going to be impossible. And this, I just had to make the worst transition <laughs> imaginable. Talk, talk to, to the, the hand. hand. We'll talk to the hand next time on <laughs> Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. <laughs>